Hello again. I'm Steve Longo, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Rock and Roll Show and Tell, coming to you from the No Gloom Ballroom. Today on the show, drummer Abe Fogel. You probably know Abe's work with Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20, and he's played with a lot of people, but this particular conversation stands out for me, being a drummer, because we really discuss the pathway to a professional career in music and what it takes. And these programs are supposed to be 60 minutes long. I got so lost in this conversation, I just wanted to keep it going forever. The insight, the experience, and the sheer joy that Abe gets from music is uh, unparalleled. This is a -a one-of-a-kind guy. Listen to these stories and enjoy them because they come from the heart and you'll feel that. This podcast is brought to you by Jason's Deli with four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida. They are a must-try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. And Bradley's Jewelers of South Fort Myers. They specialize in amazing moments. Bradley's Jewelers. That is how that is done. If you care to do that, that is what it is. And yes, you funky soul. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, when you did the triplet thing, the, uh-huh. the one I mimed, because you had been going there, you were, you did the triplet thing, you know, the it was, and I could see the theme starting to come up. And when you did that and then flammed it out at the end, I was like a painting. <laughs> I tell you, that was one of my most fun solos. I, I had such a blast. I mean, because it was at, it was at a place that I love playing. It was at uh, Paradiso in Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I absolutely love that venue. Every time I've been there, I've fallen, I've fallen in love all over again. Who was that with? That was with Beth Hart. Oh, okay. Because I didn't recognize. I was kind of, uh, I, was, I was taken by the drummer. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you. Oh, uh, man. And I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I, I looked closer. And the bass drum, dude, you are, you're making that bass drum pay. Uh, well, you know, it's 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 the odd thing about that is it's the first time that I've played on a 24 inch bass drum. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I'm a I'm a I'm an 18, 20, and a 22 kind of guy, depending upon circumstances, depending upon you know what the gig is calling for and stuff. But um, that was the first time and only time really that I played on a 24 inch gig. And is it a, so, is it a 16 or a 14? Uh, 22, six, uh, 24 by 16. Okay, because my thing was, I started on, you know, the, the typical Slingerland 20, you know, 20-inch 20 kit. kit. Uh-huh. And then uh, my fives, the kit that I showed you earlier, were 20, 14 by 24s. I was just looking yeah. at them today, and I was looking at how, like, skinny the bass drums looked for for the, you know, for the uh, diameter. It's right. weird. Right. So now yeah. I'm, I'm on 16 by 22s, and, and I love it. It's It's perfect for me. Yeah, that's 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 my vibe all the way. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of the 22s, but when I do small gigs and I do wedding gigs and stuff like that for, you know, for cartridge purposes, I have a 20 as well. You know, I got I got a 20 inch kick. I got a 22 here in the studio. Uh, my touring kits are 22s. You know, so I I mean, I just love I love the big boom 
that yeah. you get, you know, from, yeah. a, from a 22. And I just love the fire that you can you can put out. It's bad. The air. <laughs> a lot faster than a 24. It's a lot. Right. Faster. And, you know, um, I asked you if you were using double kick and obviously you're not. Um, but when when I've I've tried that DW 5000, that super fast thing. And it's so different than what I do with two bass drums. It has nothing to do with it. It's it's like just having an extra pair of hands on a bass drum. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, whereas when you do it on two kicks, it's like two different instruments, and it feels different. And it's eh, you know sure. But uh, sure. I, I was amazed, bro. I mean, I, I was watching you throw down, and I was saying, yes. Why didn't I see this in Fort Lauderdale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually a lot later. You know, because that tour happened in uh, the one with Beth was uh, 2013. Ah, okay, yeah. So there you go. And did, did, all right, so tell me this because you know I'm a fan of a drum solo. <laughs> I, I've been guilty of doing one myself. Um, at what? Uh, how did the drum solo come into the into the set? Did you ask, or did they ask you? Oh no no no! It was um, it was contingent upon the tune being played. What what particular tune that was? Uh, it's a tune by Beth, and, and the tune is killer too. Uh, the studio version of the tune is called Immortal. Oh, Immortal. Okay, I yeah. think I know that track. Yeah, and uh, and and it, the track is rocking. The track is rocking, and because uh, when I was listening to it, I was kind of doing um, one of my exercises that it allows for me to learn a lot of music in a short period of time because i only had two rehearsals with her next thing you know we were on a plane to rome wow you know so it was it was that quick actually actually how it went down was i had two rehearsals after the second rehearsal i caught a red eye to go back from la back to new york to pack and then i caught a flight from uh, New York to Rome. Oh, <laughs> uh, man! And, and and was gone for two months. Oh. You know. So my um. So what I had to do is uh, I had learned this before because I did the same thing shedding for a uh, hot tuna's gig. You know, because uh, they don't they don't rehearse. No. All right. They don't rehearse, and they they handed me uh they handed me roughly six hours worth of music and said here <laughs> learn this. And we'll make up set lists each night as we go along. So one of the things that I, I do, uh, and hopefully this will help somebody else as well. Uh, one of the things I do is I do uh, what I call subconscious uh, subconscious shedding. Yeah. In, in that I'll take the music and turn it down to a barely audible level and go to sleep with it on. This way, the music gets into my subconscious while i'm sleeping i'm hearing these tunes and they're filtering through my head they're filtering through my psyche i wake up the next day i go about my business and all of a sudden i'm humming tunes that i didn't realize that i heard last night on this loop of music that continually goes around you know and and i i i did that i did that with her stuff and i remember i'm saying all this because i remember waking up on a flight i was shedding her stuff while i was I was out working with somebody else. So I'm on a flight and the beginning of Immortal starts 
and then the tune kicks in and 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 it kicked in so hot i it, it kind of woke me up and you know how you get that neck thing going when a tune has got you and you, I know the neck thing. And you, and you can't get out <laughs> and you, it's got you to the point where you start talking funny like your neck you're losing your neck if you and you're like ah Gosh, this is funky. You know, <laughs> that's what was happening to me on the plane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and so, and so that's what I was doing. You know, that's what I did to learn the tune. And uh, one day in rehearsal, we never actually rehearsed the tune either. So sound check, she calls the tune, but we don't play it. And she says, "I think tonight we're going to do Immortal." This is like after the sound check is over. And I was like, "Well, could." we have at least played it one time so I can paradiddle my way through it. Yeah. You know? And, and she's like, oh, no, no, no. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just go listen to it. You'll be fine. And that's what I did. I listened to it again to remember the tune, to refresh it, to get it back into my in, into my brain and get it into my hands and feet again. She counted it off. We played it. I was taking cues from the MD, from the guitar player as we were going along. And then he, you know, he turns and looks at me and he does that. He does that world famous. <laughs> right, right. You know, and see, and and me, I'm, 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 you know, I'm playing, and he does that. He goes drum solo, and I went like this. <laughs> okay. And then just, and then just went in. You know, I just went in and just, and it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Great that solo, so man. Yeah, very nice. I mean, the, that solo in particular. Uh, you know, I'm about the musicality of a solo. I'm I look. I appreciate what anybody does with their art. I you know. I mean, if you're a drummer and you are Mr. Rudiment or you're the fastest single stroke roll in the world, respect. I don't look well, down on you. any right. of that. Just not what I do. You know what I mean? My thing is my right. thing, and 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 I think that's what makes me able to appreciate other people the way I do other players because. I'm securing what I do, and I, it's not, you know, at Flaming right. for so long, it was that fastest gun in the West kind of thing, you know? Yeah, sure. But, and sure. it's got to be to get you to the place. But when you get uh -huh. there, when you get to your place, it's I'm here. There's nobody else here but me. Right, right. I think the best part about that is uh, always having, let me see if I put this right, always, always having the sense of humility without the, 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 irrationality of competition okay meaning very simple like because for for me what i've surrendered to in my 35 plus years on the scene what i've surrendered to is that there's always going to be somebody that comes along that can play faster that can maybe hit harder maybe they play with larger sticks bigger kit whatever there's somebody that's always going to take something a notch up my thing that i've always tried to take as much pride as i possibly can in was just being consistent yeah there that is a level of consistency that has allowed me to be blessed enough thank you god be blessed Amen. enough to stay on the scene because you you know how it is you know how it is from when we first hit the scene it's like cool you you hit the scene and you're on the scene and it's funny because when I hit the scene, I told my dad about it, and Lord rest his soul, my, my dad was like one of my biggest fans. 
you know, and when because he was the one that he was one of my greatest teachers and didn't play a single instrument. Wow. You know, my dad couldn't read a note the size of the state of Texas, but he could tell you when you played a wrong one or if you played something and you didn't stand behind it with conviction. Well, that's this an ear, man. That's just, that's an ear. I mean, that's that's DNA. Yep. That's not something that you learn. I, you know, I, right. I I talk about that all the time. You know, especially on this show, I talk to a lot of players that watch. You know, that we all came up at the same time or around the same time, and uh-huh. how everybody. I think what it is going back to the competition thing. Sure, I think. Other people inspire you to be the best you can be. It's not. Yeah. It's not the fastest gun in the West. It's. It's the best that I can be at what I can do. And if you hear me play and you know it's me, I did my job. Period. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's and again, that's another one of the things that my dad used to say. My dad used to say to me, as a drummer, your main assignment is to keep them toes tapping and the butts shaking. And if nobody's tapping the toe and nobody's shaking the butt, you're not doing your job something is wrong and it's got to start with you and you have to start by making the corrections now when, we, when i was talking about competition and i was talking about humility what i appreciated was i appreciated drummers that came along and blew me off the planet hmm. i i i i absolutely love that and if they then decide to want to come up to me and we talk and we do like quincy jones says and leave your ego at the door mm-hmm. You know, when we do when we do that, we come together just as as drum brethren and, and, and we can we can talk chops. We can laugh chops. We can sing chops. We can yell chops. We can tap chops. We can cry chops. We can play chops, you know, and that's just what we do as as drummers who are speaking the same language, because we have people that speak our language, yeah. but talk like this. Right. Then we got people speaking language talking like this, but yeah. it's the same language, you know. So the idea is either find your comfort at the fifty-yard line, somewhere in between there, and if it's not somewhere in between there, just make sure that wherever it is, you're most comfortable with it and you stay consistent with it. Yeah, and and you're so right. But I've I've got to tell you a very funny and somewhat humbling story for me. Uh, look up the guy's name from REO, please. <laughs> Oh, something hit. I think it's Jeff hit or Steve hit the drummer for REO now. Do you know? Okay. Uh-huh. My wife, uh, you know, we have a, uh, she's a huge REO fan and been since, you know, before we were ever together when they were, right. when they were first coming up. And so, Brian you know, hit. Brian hit. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is now here. I got Mark hit. They have Brian hit. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so I'm out on the road with Robin Zander and I'm, and I call her from the road and say, you know, I'll see you tomorrow. And she goes, oh, man, I just watched this REO Speedwagon concert. And they got a new drummer. And he did a solo. And he's amazing. <laughs> well, because I knew that he was going to be opening <laughs> <Right>. REO. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No one else is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one. So you had to see it. None show pass. So I had to see <laughs> right, it. Right, right. I had to see it. And uh-huh. then, upon seeing it, and the reason she mentioned it to me is we happened to be opening for REO at the Rib Fest, at the Rib Fest and at the uh, King Center in Melbourne. Okay. Okay. We're open. Robin's Anderbeck opened. And I said, uh, guys, 
I, I don't like to be asked. <laughs> I'm doing a solo. <laughs> I mean, and you know, there's it, it's out there, but I I do this thing, and I don't even know if you've ever seen me do this. But I do this thing where I hold up a mechanical uh, dog or a monkey or whatever it is, and it plays time. Dip 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 dip, and I'm going around the kit one and two kicks with one hand playing in time to the monkey because I can hear. Oh. You know, I can hear the dog, whatever is the panda in my in ears, and so it's it's you know I get and it's just a way of showing off with one hand. It's a showboat thing, right? That's great. Yeah, that's great. But and I've been doing it forever. Back in the seventies, some girl gave me one of these from A One Sun Toys, so you can imagine what that is. <laughs> yes. And and I worked it into the act, and I and it's been like a little signature thing of mine forever. So. Nice. So I called it back. I said, guys, I got to do a solo. This guy, this guy was good. I got to do a solo. And he played with and, one hand. And yeah, he played with one I mean, it was like, okay, really? Is this Jimi Hendrix and the Who? What's going on here? So so I go out and I do, the, I do the thing, you know, and I hold him in front of a mic, which is even, you know, it's my vocal mic, and then they put it up. And yeah. so I have to keep it in one place while I'm doing everything else. got to stay in one place. That's right. And so the second night when we played the King Center, they all, Ario came out on the side of the stage. They were going, watch, watch this. Watch. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Thank yeah. you. Nice. Thank you. But nice. I need I need a little bit of that grizzle to chew on. Oh, absolutely. I'm just absolutely. one of them kind of it's, dogs. It's nothing like it. I, I'll tell you, I got I got one for you. Okay. Um, Not to not to toot my own horn, so I'm going to go back. Toot that freaking horn. Go. Toot that horn. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I, this is when I first started coming up, first hit the scene and stuff. Um, my dad got me like a local teacher, you know, so I was taking lessons from him. But then my dad saw that I was progressing, so he said, "Son, I, I need you to, I need you to step your game up a little bit." So he decided to take me out away from that teacher and put me at Drummers Collective. Oh, so, yeah. So, no so he puts me at drum. Yeah, he, he, he puts me in Drummers Collective, and the very first time, they're trying to check out my level, right? So they check it, you know, they put some they put some charts in front of me, and they're like, you know, can you read this stuff? So I'm, I'm trying to read it down, struggling a little bit, but they saw where I was going. They ended up putting me, again, Lord rest his soul, they ended up putting me with Kim Plainfield <laughs> as, as my teacher, right? And, and, I mean, it was absolutely wonderful because I got, I learned so much from him about consistency about uh playing two not just two but playing two and with oh. a click oh okay you see things and, and you know things like that he would tell me you know bring in you know bring in bring in some songs that you'd like to play along to and we'll make that a part of the lesson and this and that and the other you know so we would do stuff like that and then one day he asked me he says do you have a metronome I said, no, my dad can't afford because it was a little tight. You know, yeah, I, I, times yeah. were tight and money was tight and stuff, you know. And I said, no, my dad can't afford one right now. He says, you really need to get yourself a metronome. So in the meantime, he said, because I believe in you here, take my metronome. Wow. So, you know, and, and, you know, it's one of those, those, the black ones with the, with the click, 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 yeah, yeah. dial on the front I and know the light on top. <laughs> you need the light. I need the light. You know, and, 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 and it worked. It worked wonderfully for me. So now, fast forward several years later, because this was probably early 80s when that happened. So we're fast forwarding to several years later, about 1991, 1992. I'm playing with Freddie Jackson, and we're in Aruba. We're doing like one of those festivals in Aruba, and we happen to be opening up 
for Tanya Maria. Now, who is playing drums for Tanya Maria? Kim Plainfield. Oh. Wow. So now, talk about talk about the 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 teacher doting over his student. Yeah. Kim was on the side of the stage from my first note to my last note with a big Mayor McCheese grin <laughs> on his face. Yeah. That's his like, you know, he's like, that's my baby. I gave birth to that right there. That one right, yeah, that one, that's my baby. That is my baby. Oh, nice leg. Oh, wow, that was hot. Oh, that was and every time I did something, he'd smile. I came off the bandstand and I think, um, I would say probably the only other people that may have hugged me harder were Elvin Jones and my dad. Whoa. Yeah, I, that's I, a fair I, I came off the stage and I could have I could have melted in his arms. He was like he was like, Wow, you are really amazing. And I said, I couldn't have done half of that stuff without you. Yeah, he's like, Oh, get out of here. You would have found another teacher, you'd have been on your way and all that. And I said, No, Kim, you don't understand how important you are and you were to my life. So I just made it a point to keep reaching out to him. Hey, Kim, I'm going to be in the city for such and such. You're going to be around? Why don't you come on through? You know, that kind of thing. You know, I pretty much reached out to him. And then I, ah, fast forward to a few more years later, roughly 2015, something like that. I was asked to go teach in Austria at this um, outreach. It's an outreach music festival. And I found out that I was subbing for Kim because Kim couldn't make it that oh, year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so how's yeah. that like full circle? Man, That's well, crazy. you know what? I, I, I've had so many moments like, not so many, but I've had moments like that. So I know what you're talking about. And my education experience, did you do the, the school thing or you just did uh, Charmers Collective? Did You didn't go to Berkeley or do that thing, did you? Uh, well, no, actually, I went to Rutgers. Rutgers, oh, okay. I went, yeah, I went to Rutgers when, when the program was like real That's hot. a great music program at Rutgers. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I went to Rutgers and then, un unfortunately, I had to leave school because school started getting in the way of my education. So, <laughs> yeah, I hear that. <laughs> you know, so I, I left and I took a semester off and then that's when they started the jazz immersion program at the new school for social research. I remember the new school. Yeah, I was I was a member of the first class, the, the very wow. the inaugural class there. So what I loved about that school was that Arnie Lawrence was the director. And to this day, I'll, I'll call him any, I'll call him out anytime and give him credit for anything and everything that has to do with me and how well I feel about how I do what I do, you know? Arnie Lawrence, the greatest thing about uh, that program is that, you know, in one school, it's like, okay, you have to take jazz this, classical that. You have to take ear training and musicianship. You have to take history. You have to take improvisation, this and that and the other. Arnie pulled me into his office and he said, Abe, what do you want to do with this music? Mm. <laughs> and I said, and, and, and what I said to him is I said, I want to be I want to be the most versatile and the most consistent drummer on the scene. And if not on the scene, I want to be the most versatile and the most consistent drummer that I could possibly be. So then he's like, gotcha. So 
He puts me back in lessons. At the, I was taking lessons from Rod Morgenstein. No, Rod. Lefty, no? Yes, right, yeah. And Lefty, so then at the collective, when we were playing together, it looked like I was playing in a mirror. Mirror, yeah. Right? And, and I love that. I love that. You know, so I, he, he put me in lessons with Rod Morgenstein, with Ben Riley, with uh, Michael Carvin, and, uh, and, and with Kim again as well. You know, so he's like, I'm going to, you said you want to be well-rounded, I'm going to round you out. So it wasn't just one guy that was just showing me his technique, his way, his this, his that. And he also, Arnie also had access to the various clubs in New York. So he would allow for his students to be able to go and be flies on the wall at these clubs while these heavyweights are in there, you know, I'm checking out heavyweights at the bottom line. I'm checking out heavyweights at the Blue Note, at the Vanguard, yeah. and things like that, you know? So it was just amazing to be shaped the way that he allowed for it. Cause he, he checked me out and he was like, look, he, like I said, he said, what do you want to do? And I told him, and then I end up, I end up doing things like jamming with Mike Stern, jamming with Dave Liebman, I ended up I ended up singing at, for Christmas week of 1985 at, I'm sorry 1986 at the Blue Note with John Hendricks from Lambert Hendricks and Ross. Oh wow. I, I was singing with him. You know, all because of all the things that they had us involved in. They had the stu- the students were involved in everything. You know, the rock guys were coming in and playing funk. The funk guys were coming in and playing classical. The classical guys were coming in and playing jazz. You know, so it wasn't the same type of situation where, um, if you will, you were controlled by academia nuts. Yeah, don't I love it? It's very, I mean, that's, that's, it doesn't surprise me that that's the way you came up. It's totally not, not even close to the way I came up. It's totally Uh almost the opposite of the way I came up. I, um, I got bitten by the, the bug. And I, you know, the people have sort of seen this and it's a, you know, I won't tell it a million times, but in elementary school, kindergarten, the high school band came to our school and it was the band, not the orchestra, the band. And yes. the minute the drums started playing and I heard the ambience and that for the first time in an all, you know, clean ears, what am I, five, four, six, something. <sighs> and yeah. hearing that sound, I turned to my friend Janice, who I still know and lives down in Naples. And I said to her, according to her, she had to tell me this story. That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And from that point on, she said, you always had a pair of sticks in your back pocket. Now, now here's, here's a rub. In White Plains, back in whatever it was, the 50s or the 60s, um, you couldn't, you, we didn't get drum lessons. We didn't get any music lessons until fourth grade. Well, by the time I got to fourth grade, I had already destroyed one of those tin kits that you get for Christmas. And then yes. it got real, you know, I like, well, got a, a, a the old Slingerland painted black and gold bass drum and matching snare and and I got a hi-hat and I'm already on my way. I'm already into Teen Beat and Sandy Nelson. And so when I finally get to take lessons, I think this is going to crack you up. When I finally get to take lessons, my my drum teacher was Mr. Lawrence, White Plains Mamaric Avenue School. And he says, and I get to, I I play, you know, the traditional grip because that's what he taught us. But he taught us to hold it like this to get used to using our wrist, right? Uh That's how, not to bring the fingers in. And I got so bored in the first two weeks of doing this, I quit. And now that's how I play. 
I play like this. That's why I can whack it so hard because it all opens up and just comes from here and it all compresses. Well, anyway, yes. but yes. I'm frustrated with that. So my mother, I'm, so I, I'm now I'm in a band. I'm 12. I'm in a band. And she said, well, you know, you're really, because my uncle was a, uh, Glenn Warren, he was a, a big band player, nobody of terrible note, but, you know, did the circuit. And, yeah. you know, he gave me the talk. Like, uh, you know, the road, where you really, you know, that, I got that talk. Yeah. You know, yeah. And he was, he was the chief of the New York Fire Department, so he could kind of back it up with, he had something to fall back on. But I'm already starting to do gigs, and it's like, forget, I'm gone. Forget it. All right. So right. anyway, so my mother said, well, if you're going to do it, at least do it right and take some lessons. Do you, you remember Ralph Pace by any chance? That name sounds very familiar. He did, the, he, he did a, a, a practice kit that was pretty pretty uh, info, influential for a while, and he wrote some books. And so I went to study with him, and what happened there is I'm playing beats, and he's saying, hold on, what would you do there? And he's writing stuff down. And I'm thinking, like, what, am I writing the next book here? So, <laughs> yeah, right? so that was it for that. that. That's it. I don't want no more lessons from me. Uh, then I finally get to junior high school, right? and I hear about this thing called percussion ensemble I said, oh, you know man. what i'm gonna try it again because this sounds like something i can really get next to and so i do i try it again and there's six of us you know in a row and, and you you do the bass drum part then you do the snare drum part then you do the clock whatever and you have to and you and it puts a chart in front of you now i am yeah. not a reader i had two very bad experiences you know if i could read what what my teacher was writing down but so I'm at the end of the line because I don't I don't know what I'm in for here. I know I want to play drums and I know I want to get to another level. So the guy puts the sheet music in front of the first kid. First kid rips it off. Second kid rips it off. Gets down to me. I don't even look at the music. I just peel the thing off. And he's like all proud. He's like, oh, that's oh, oh, oh. and I, I'm not. I mean, I'm pretending to read the music, but I can't. I can't read shit. <laughs> And so the next week comes, and by the time it gets down to me, and I'm all cocky now because I'm, I'm the shit. <laughs> right? Can't tell me nothing. No, hell no. So now I'm the Wunderkind, right? So yeah, we're yeah. going to put Steve at the beginning of the line. We're going to give him the sheet music first. What? Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh -oh. I just remembered I got to tie my shoelace. I'll be right yeah, back. wait a minute. I got math <laughs> class, so, you know. And man, and he got actually pissed off. And I'm not even going to tell you the rest of the story, but he told me that I didn't have the discipline to be a drummer and I should give up drums. I, you know, I had said I wanted to you be a never, drummer, a professional yeah. drummer. You would never be and, a professional. And he said, you will never be a professional. You don't have what it takes to do. Yeah, oh, wow. He whiplashed you, basically. Oh, man. Yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He whiplashed you. Oh, yes. no kidding. And oh, speaking of whiplash, you, you, you saw that. I'm guessing, right? Do you remember I, when the kid? I, I gets, saw pieces of it. Yes. Remember when the kid gets the blister, right? Blister. Yes. Yes. They they painted it. There's a scene where it's on the wrong hand. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, it's amazing. He he's like this, and you can see that he's ripping it up because he's playing like this, and you can see I've done my bit of suffering in my time and he's and, and all of a sudden it comes up on this hand and it's like what <laughs> but yes he whiplashed me and one of two things could have happened i could have been whiplashed and whiplashed his ass back or i could have just said i've, I've had it and right so to finish the tale my education was playing six nights a week 
50 weeks a year, every kind of music that we could play from Hall and Oates to Mahavishnu Orchestra, to Led right. Zeppelin, to Jethro Tull, to that's things right. that nobody, UK and uh, Birds right. of Fire. Right. And that's where it happened for me because it didn't matter uh, how I made it happen as long as I made it happen. That's right. That's right. See, because that's see the thing about that. Now, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I can't talk enough about my dad because he was like the most amazing influence in my life. And he was so supportive. If I could if I could go back to the very beginning, this is this is like how it happened. Right. Um, I'm hanging out. Uh, I mean, like because I started playing late. I started playing at about 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, I, I remember I was hanging out at my friend Pete's. Well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Question, did you uh, uh, play yeah. anything before 15, anything? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, my mother started me out on piano. Okay. And uh, when, I was, when I was coming up through elementary school, it was like you either play violin or you play the recorder. I played the recorder. So I played the recorder and I played piano. And then when she passed away, she passed away um, a week after her birthday and uh, two weeks before my 12th birthday. Oh. So it was, you know, I just lost all inspiration for music because she was behind. She was the... Yeah, she was the, the 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 pusher, the enabler, if you will. All right, so I even started playing sports and stuff like that. Then um, my dad had enough for the city because I grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. He moved us out to to Teaneck, oh. and I ended up I ended up taking a music appreciation class. You know, it was a class with this woman. Her name was Mildred Cronish. To this day, I don't know if she's still around, but I still thank her as well too. Yeah. Um, what she did see because she had an inside track she had an inside track to like the Met um, uh, you know Metropolitan the, 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 uh, the New York Symphony and all this so we were taking field trips and going to see these rehearsals I got a chance to see Pavarotti rehearsed man. oh man hey I got a chance to see Leonard Bernstein at Lincoln yes. Center so I'm with you bro yes I got, I got a chance to see Andre Watts the amazing piano player um, I got a chance to see Zubin Mater conduct. Uh, I mean, you know, it was just an incredible that's deep experience. Shit. I mean, but, that's that's like that's deep shit, bro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, um, so a little bit. I'm, I'm playing trombone in junior high school, you know, and uh, again, I decided I'm hanging out at my friend Petey's house. There's a couple of us hanging out, and his older brother's got his friends with him. So, you know, his older brother says, okay, yeah, these guys are cool. There were three of us. These guys are cool. So he slips us a six-pack of beer, right? <laughs> so it's like, whoa, okay. We're going to make big time now. We're big time. Oh, yeah, we're going to get bombed now. <laughs> two, two, two beers each. Two beers each. We're going to be getting smashed, and we're going to be wearing lampshades on our head, running around singing songs at the top of our lungs and stuff, right? So I drank my one beer real slow. <laughs> I didn't want to take any chances. I drank the second beer, and I, I started getting a little tipsy, a little lightheaded. So I decided to go up to Pete's room and go and lay down on his bed. Oh. I walked into his bedroom, and he had a drum set next to the bedroom. Oh. Next, to the, next to his bed, excuse me. Drum set next to his bed. So... The first thing I said to myself as I looked at the drum set is I picked up the sticks and I said, let me see what I can do differently with each limb. And ended up coming up with a pseudo disco beat. You know, it's just four on the floor, two and four on the snare, and eighth notes on the hi-hat, right? So that's different with each limb. I don't know, instinctively, I I, I learned to hold the hi-hat closed with my left foot. 
right? So now I'm I'm talking about boot, catch, boot, catch, boot, catch, but in the minute I say boot, catch, boot, oh, okay, boot, catch, boot, catch, right? So I I kept it simple. You know, the next day I I begged my dad, I said, Dad, can I have a drum set? Dad, can I have a drum set? Dad, can I have a drum set? And dad was like, well, you better get out of here with that nonsense. I'm not trying to hear you right now with a drum set. Stop talking that nonsense. I was like, oh, 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 oh okay, okay. 15 minutes later, dad, can I have a drum set? Dad, can I have dad, 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 can I have a, dad, can I have a, 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 can I have a drum set? Right. He's like, you, you, you want to play these drums, huh? Because, yeah. see, now here's the thing. The reason why he came at me like this, and I didn't find this out until a little bit later, until we had that four and a half hour, five hour conversation about music, he and I. My grandfather played seven different instruments. Wow. Right? And I didn't know this. It was like, uh, I mean, everything he played, he played uh, harmonica, guitar, uh, uh, violin, upright bass, drums, he sang, and he played piano. Wow. So you know, you know, he was that you know, grand, grand, grandpa was grandpa was the bomb diggity. DNA, okay. man, DNA. He had, it, he had it going on, right? So, so you know, um, he's like, my dad's like, are you are you serious about this drum set stuff? Don't be pulling my leg about this because you don't know how deeply I go down that rabbit hole. This is how, this is how he's coming at me. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, dad. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, dad. He's like, slow your roll. If you are serious about this, have a seat. You and I are gonna have to talk. So I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Let's talk. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, come on. Yes, go. Let's go. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Let's go." You know, he's like, "You need to calm down with all of that. You need okay? to calm down." Right, right. Because he said, he said, in order for any of that to happen, you have to put in some work. Okay, and he said one of the first things you need to understand about playing, not only playing drums, but playing music in general, is that you're going to be spending hours upon hours practicing something that you love that somebody else may not even give you respect for. So you are going to have to understand wow. that your devotion and your dedication to this is going to be yours and yours alone. Pop, if you are Pop still down for vision, it, bro. Pops had some vision. I'm indeed. impressed. Indeed, I got another story for you about my wow, pastor, right. That's why we're here. vision and everything, right? So you know, so we're sitting down, and he's like, "One of the things that you have to remember is that technology is such to the point where they can replace you as a drummer with a machine. They don't even have to call you; they can get a machine. Now, the machine may play perfect time, but it may not play human emotion." Yeah time but it'll play perfect time so sometimes they're just as happy with that but as a drummer what you have to do is you have to see to it that the producer calls you back and does not call Mac Hine <laughs> right <laughs> right so then then he said on top of that you have to not just be a drummer you have to be a musician you will gain a whole lot more respect behind that kid and how you do what you do if you are a musician and not just a drummer. He says, I know a lot of drummers out there, but not a lot of drummers are musicians. And I would, I would prefer that you be a musician that happens to have drums as the main instrument. That's you know? why I asked you, when you got on the drums at 15, 
what music there was before that. And it's right. interesting. You, you, you have the most polyphonic instrument there is in the piano. Yes. And then two monophonic uh, in the recorder and... Um, trombone. And the trombone. I mean, and trom I mean two, I, you've got embouchure for the trombone. You've got... Right. It's just, it's crazy. No valves and a slide and then every little hole in the world on that. So that's why you're musical because you hear I, that first and I, I i tried to i tried to stay as you know i tried to stay as musical as i possibly could I, I, and i think a lot of it had to do with my teachers as i advanced because uh there were one of my other teachers michael carvin michael michael carvin showed me how my life is music and how music is my life and how life is music life is my music and music is my life right my life is music and life is my music <laughs> you know any one of those permutations he showed me that because i one, one great uh i had i was hanging out with my lady when i was in college hanging out with my lady for the weekend we went to the beach you know you know nice and warm and stuff like that so you know we went down to the shore we came back my lesson was on monday so michael carvin tells me he says so what'd you do this weekend I said, well, you know, I was hanging out with my lady and, you know, uh, we went down to the beach and, you know, I made her some dinner and stuff like that. And we had a great time together. So he was like, great. Play me that. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, I looked at him kind of like the way you ask a dog a question and the dog goes, mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's like, play me that because I want you to understand how all these things that you have involved in your life are integral to what it is and your musical experiences. So yeah. these things are gonna, you're gonna find out how one and the same, a lot of these things really are. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I mean, that, was, that had a lot to do with like what my dad was saying too. You know, I don't, I, you know, I don't wanna go on too much more, but my dad is one of my heroes. How so, can, you first know. of all, let me tell you this. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was, before I remember, and my dad made the trip to the West Coast. I didn't have any relationship until later in my life, which is not, you know, it's kind of like being born blind. It's, you know, um, and at the end it was good, but I respect and honor that thing between your dad and you because that's, you know, there's, I don't want to say I envy it because that would be wrong. My life is mine for mine to live, but I respect it and I absolutely honor it because that's a pretty, that's a pretty righteous thing to have in, in one's life. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. See now that, uh, thank you. Thank you. And thank God for him too. So, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad God jiggled the spoon a little bit and put me in this little mess yeah. and, come out, and would come out with these two folks that, as my mom and dad That's to great. shape me, you That's know, so good, uh, amen to that. And, you know, all glory be to God for that. I, uh, I, I tell you, um, oh, another great story about my dad. I always love sharing this story. Okay. Now, remember I was telling you my dad couldn't read a note the size of the state of Texas, mm -hmm. but he could tell you if you didn't play something with conviction or if you played a wrong note. Reason why a lot of that had to be, or the reason why a lot of that was, was because before I was born, my dad used to go, he used to go to the clubs in New York after his shift wow. at work, or he would get the guys to punch him out and he would sneak out of work and go and check out 
these cats at the Vanguard. Check out the Blue Note, uh, the Village Gate, when the Village Gate was around. You know, all those clubs and um, up on 52nd Street and, and, you know, and all those clubs back in the day. So he would do that so often. Oh, and back in the day, this is when Last Call was when the last guy at the bar got tired of drinking. Yeah, I believe <laughs> you. Know, I know so, that day. <laughs> right, last call Last call was 5 a.m. Yeah. for, you know, and at the end of the set, it's 5.30. You know, so my dad was there from first note to last note, and to thank the cats in the band, he would take them out to breakfast after Ooh. the gigs. Chicken and so waffles? Chicken and waffles. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, whatever was there. One of my whatever, favorites. Whatever kind of, yeah, oh yeah. Oh my goodness, yes. Do you, and, I, um, I don't mean to interrupt, but do you know the thing, right. do you know the thing behind chicken and waffles? The story. Uh, now, I don't know the story behind it, but I know oh, it's Oh, this is, this is yeah. great. Think about what you just told me. You, they would take everybody out for breakfast, but most right. of the guys hadn't eaten dinner. So they had they created chicken and waffles so they could have a little bit of dinner and dinner a little and bit of breakfast. breakfast. Yep. Nice. Nice. And, man, I nice. love, oh, Roscoe's. Yes. Another story. Yes, yes indeed. Yes, I'm indeed. sorry. I, but God, no, I just, no, no. Quite all right. Quite all right. So, <laughs> so this is how my dad became friends with Miles. Oh. He became friends with Train. He became friends with Monk. He oh, became well, friends with Sonny Rollins yeah. and all of these cats, right? So, you know, and, and, and Elvin and Buddy Rich and all these. These are my dad's friends. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So um Dad told me a story. He says this is before I was born. He told me a story. Miles, cause uh he exchanged phone numbers with Miles, and Miles called him up on a Sunday night and was like Hey, Al, what's going on? My dad was like, hey, Miles, how you feeling? Oh, I'm cool. Listen, I'm going to be at the club this week, and I better see your ass at the club. And my, my, my dad was like, don't worry. Don't worry, I'll be there. So my dad was there every set, every night, throughout the whole run, like, you know, the whole Tuesday through Sunday. Sure, running sure. Running the clubs, right? So I don't remember if my dad said it was a Friday night or a Saturday night, but it was sold out, standing room only. The club was packed, and my dad was sitting at a round table by himself nursing a Pepsi because he really didn't drink, right? So the club owner came over to my dad and said, hey, look, you see, we got standing room only. Place is sold out. You sit at a big table by yourself. The least thing you could do is just order some liquor, you know? My dad was like, okay, no problem. And if you want to sit some people at the table with me, I have no problem with that. You know, it's no problem at all. You know, I'll, I'll order some liquor, you know, so, ah, just a sidetrack, I, I have to digress. One of my favorite Miles' bands was playing. One of my favorite Miles' bands was playing that night. It was Miles, Train, Wynton Kelly on piano, <laughs> Paul Chambers on bass, and Philly Joe on drums. Philly Joe Jones. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, so, so my dad, man. my dad's there every set, every night. Again, I don't know if it's Friday night or Saturday night. The club owner comes over to my dad, and he's like, "Look, at least you can order some liquor or something like that." So my dad's like, "Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry." First set goes by. The middle of the second set comes up, and the waitress comes over, and my dad orders another Pepsi. Uh. She storms away. And goes and tells the club owner. The club owner comes stomping back over to my dad. And the cats are up there burning. They're on the bench, they're burning. They're doing it. They're getting it in, right? So he comes over to my dad and he starts screaming at my dad. And he's like, that's it. MF, I told you. I told you you have to order some liquor. Now, not only do you have to get up from the table, you got to get the F up out of my club. Miles, Miles came up to the, Miles did like this, say, the band said, <laughs> 
He walked up to the little ribbon mic that was there. He said, hey, you leave that mofo alone. If he got to go, I got to go. Oh. And the club owner backed up off my dad like this, and Miles said, and the band jumped in like they didn't miss a note, like they never stopped, like nothing even happened. Wow. See now, that's that's respect. Well, you got to realize too, man. What is it that Miles wanted more than anybody, anything in this world? What is it? What is the one thing that Miles wanted more than anything in this world? And we can go back and forth, but it's for somebody to listen. Yes. And that's, yes. that's why your dad was so valuable. You can go there one night and hobnob and elbow rub and do all But when you're there and you're feeling it, and when you're a non-musician, so you're not posturing, it, you're just soaking it in, that's the that's most right. valuable person in the world to a jazz cat. I mean, that's, that's right. to any musician, but especially uh, Miles, man. I mean, that's... And believe me, we used to do, I, in the, I talk about all the music, we used to, to play that whole record tribute to Jack Johnson. So, uh-huh, yeah. I, I, believe oh, yeah. me, I know me some stuff from there. And, you know, my, my favorite drummer, my first favorite drummer was Gene Krupa. Nice. And nice. and it was interesting because I had a record, my and these were my mom's records, you know, at, at single digits all the essential Gene Krupa with this and I believe on that record there's a, a drum battle between him and Buddy Rich. Ooh. And it's it was right there, I remember it because I used to listen to it every day and I'm sure yeah. I wore out the grooves. But it was right there that I made my decision on which way. Was I going to go Buddy's way or was I going to go Gene's way? And I went Gene's way, which was, I don't want to say it was more anything. It was just more for me because it was kind of jungly and kind of of random and kind of, you know, risky. And you never knew what was coming next. And and Buddy was just, I mean, he was just a phenomenon. It was almost like a different instrument when he played. Uh Uh, And so, of course, over time, I absorbed the Buddy parts, but I blended them into Gene rather than the other way around. So it's uh-huh. it's, uh, it's a journey, man. And then you know, then of course, I, I, West Side Story, just all the time signatures and all the the triad, yes. you know, the tritone scales in there. Just yes. So that's w- what started my role. And then throw in a little Glenn Miller from Mom and a little Johnny Mathis from my older brother or a little Brazil '66, and that's what you've got. And my first. Uh, my first uh, toy with or or toying around with music was my mom had a baby grand Steinway in the hall, you know, in the hall, and yeah. she would play and she would play everything. She would play everything from fur leaves to the autumn leaves. And yeah. I, as a one or two year old kid, would sit underneath it and try to get my head up against the soundboard. Yeah. And so my, yeah. my biggest thrill was when she would stop playing. And she'd go into the kitchen, and I'd sit backwards on the pedals so that all the sustained pe- everything was was pre- and I do th- exactly, but down on the bottom because of the right. I mean that resonance, yeah, that, that resonance that would go through you. 
Yeah, it, it, it would rattle your insides. And the harmonics off of it, which yes. it was like, uh, you know, a shaman experience. And, yeah. and the other thing that got me going, and then, you know, and we'll take a quick break and come back. Are you good for a little while longer? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. Absolutely. I, I don't want mama or anybody coming to give you a hard time. You stay, <laughs> stay in out too late with that long go, kid. <laughs> you know, but, but the other thing, and I don't, don't recall this, but my mother used to tell me about it all the time. Um, early it's had to be 54 you know i'm a couple of years old and i she used to ride me in the car and i guess one day it was raining and she turned on the windshield wipers right and that did it for me every time i was in the car i would cry until she figured out to turn on the windshield wipers, <laughs> whether the sun was out or not so that's that's uh yeah. But man, what a, this is just, it's too cool. So yeah, we'll just take a two minute break and we'll do what we got to do and then we'll come back and pick it right up. Right on. Okay. I'm just going to run and grab some water and I'll be right back. I'm going to do about the same thing. I'll see you okay. in a short. See you in a couple. All right. Now we do this. We do Yeah, that's how we do that. That was about good timing. We should be drummers. <laughs> we got some potential, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. This is um, this is uh, the whole reason I do this show is to be able to have the conversations that I wouldn't be able to have any other way. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you've been on the road uh, plenty. So you know what it's like to run into a familiar face in oh, in freaking Tokyo or Kachum yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's and this is the conversation. So when you know when it came my time to you know throw my hat into the broadcast ring, the COVID channel, yeah. um, I thought this was the coolest thing to do because I love talking to other musicians. I love excellence. I love I love what we do and the fact that we're able to do it. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. And survive yeah. doing it. That's, that's right. not an easy trick, man. Right. Well, I mean, you know, with the, like, again, 
here he is popping up in conversation again. Like my dad said, with the advent of technology, you know, they could just as easily go out and, and hire Mac High, you yeah. know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and not even think twice about having us there. You know, they could just bring in a machine and then they'll be done with it, you know? But there is something to be said again, you know, it's, a, it's about, it, it really is about being humble about it but also being truthful about it there you I go think, and, and, you know there's there is something that's to be said about having this level of longevity oh. on the scene you know it's not it's not about you know it's not about being egotistical yo dude i made it and you know i'm i'm here i'm here because i'm dope no 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 no, no. maybe maybe you're there because you have a sound that somebody likes and they prefer over somebody else's sound. Maybe you're here because your skills are getting you, are allowing you to pay the bills, but also you have a level of being cordial that people like to deal with versus the other guys that come in with attitudes or they show up an hour late for a recording session and stuff like that. You know, you're always the guy that comes in early and you've got a great attitude and you come in and you lay the parts down and you knock it out and everybody's always happy with what you do. So there's something to be said about that always you know? prepared never scared that's right that's right and it's you know Absolutely. i listen i i and it's interesting again doing the show you know i get to really get inside guys like yourself i mean we've known each other a long long time and we yes. you know we're part of that same family and believe me it is a family you know that as well as anybody but when yeah. do i ever get to hear the backstory of abe I mean that the that thing with your dad. Yeah, I, 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 my only regret is I'm sorry I, I didn't get a chance to meet him because he sounds like a fantastic um, one of a kind. And you're probably a bit jaded to really knowing how special that that. I mean I'm sitting here in awe of that. That you want to talk about who took you there? You can talk about all the teachers you want. That dude. He gave you wings. And, oh, well, and, and uh, if you don't mind, I would love to be able to tell you another story no. about what he did for me. No, come on, man. That's what this is. It's just right on. You know. Right on. Now, now, my, my dad, my dad was one of the hardest working people that I'd ever known in my entire life. My dad would get up at seven o'clock in the morning and come back home at two o'clock in the morning and did that working two jobs every day for almost 30 years. Wow. Okay. Doing so, what? Do, what was his what was his well, in, in the daytime, he was a textiles cutter. Oh. Uh, he was a textiles cutter. I in, know in, something you know, about that. I know something in, about okay, that. Okay. In the fashion district. And at night, he was a custodian at Warren Weaver Hall down at NYU. So this is how this is how he got a chance to see all those cats over at the bottom line. He got to befriend cats like Art Blakey, who lived diagonally across the street from his apartment building. Wow. You know, so and, and I mean, he knew their reputation and everything. And one time he saw he saw Mr. Blakey coming out of this apartment building. And from across the street, my dad said, hey, how you doing, Art? And Mr. Blakey said to my dad, oh, he said, he said, how you doing, Mr. Blakey? And, and, and he said to my dad, he said, my father's name is Mr. Blakey. If you're going to address me, you're going to call me Art. What's your name? Said, my name is Al. He said, well, nice to meet you, Al. Said, nice to meet you, Art. Pleasure. You know, from then on, it was a hey, Al, what's shaking out? Hey, Art, how you feeling? How's yeah, everything? but you see, you know? that's, that's our, I mean, you know how valuable the fans are. You know, that's our life. Because, yes, it's true, You, the chair is yours to lose. Right. But unless you're, well, here's the way. Here's the way it comes down for me. 
if if it's if I'm locked with the bass player and we're feeling that mojo, that neck thing you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then that's going to create some joy because that's joy no matter what. And if yes. that joy spills out to the you know to the other players, the keyboard player, whoever, the, whatever the 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 uh, configuration of the band is, then all of a sudden we don't really care whether you're enjoying it or not because we are in the moment. And that's, that's right. when the people say, "What are we missing here? Look right. at what's going on up there." And I learned that so young. Enjoy yourself, and people will enjoy you. And that's right. Now, I mean, I've been at a couple of bad bookings where they didn't enjoy us so much but i know those two yeah i know, I know you those too. too but um i it's just incredible so let me ask you this sure no no civilian job for you uh well i've had a couple okay, you know, okay. um my, my my i remember in between semesters in college my sister my sister used to work at xerox she was in the office at xerox so she managed to get me a job you know doing some summer stuff you know the, the you know the, the menial jobs. Not you know I, I wasn't I wasn't creating software. <laughs> yeah, right. you know I, I was I was uh, printing and copying and things like that. You know, but she got me a job at Xerox, um, and I did it for two summers. The second summer, I came to my sister one time at lunch, and I said, "Sis, thank you so much for this opportunity, but this isn't where I want to be. I want to I, I want to play music." She's like, "I, I know." I, I, I've known this since you were three years old. Because the other story about that is my sister used to play piano when I was a little kid. Ah. So, and we have we have about six or seven years in between us, and she, she being older. And um, I was like three, I think. I, I, so she was either nine or ten. And she's sitting at the piano in the apartment down the Lower East Side, and she's practicing her scales. And I'm sitting there listening to her. And I'm listening, and I'm listening. she's practicing her scales. And one day she's practicing her scales, and she got frustrated. Turned off the metronome, left the piano open, and climbed off of the piano stool. I climbed up on the piano stool, and by ear was playing her scales. Wow. By but, ear. But my, 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 mom, my, mom was, was around, my mom came from around the corner, called my dad, and said, Al, come here. And then they, she pointed at me because they told me this a little later, pointed at me and said, that's the real reason why I bought the piano. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm so, going so, to so, tell you something about your father that you might not know. Okay. You think that's possible? It's possible. Okay, well, remember I told you I knew a little bit about textiles? Uh -huh. It's not because I make colorful shirts in my in my other career. It's because right. my grandfather owned two textile fat um, uh, blouse factories. There was uh, they were uh, you know garment factories. Like yes. When when there were sixty uh, uh, what do you call them seamstresses on the uh, and and the cutter. My mother used to tell me about the cutter all the time. The cutter was the most important person in the whole place, and the cutter got respect, and you didn't touch his knife, and you didn't touch any of his tools, and you stayed away from his table. I'm telling you that that your father, wherever he was, especially if he was in the, in the garment district and uh, yes. down there, yes. that's as uh, he was a prince. 
He was he, as he, revered he, as he respect. could be. And I'm telling you this from the inside because I grew up playing with empty spools of thread and punch cards. And I yeah. mean, I could I really since since the first days of my life, I'm playing around on the floor and listening those to those sewing machines. Yes, yes. You, you know, and yes. it's, it, it all feeds in. It all feeds I, in. Absolutely. Every last bit of it. Every yeah. last bit of it. True story. And I, it's just, you know, I think it's just so, I, I, I relish the opportunities to be able to brag about my dad and, and, and the sure. things that he did and, and the, the, the positions that he put me in and, you know, the, the, the hard work that he put forth to lay the groundwork for me to be able to say, okay, it's lessons, a little job here and there, gigs, school, hit the road, you know? And that was, that was pretty much a good, a good portion of my life. I mean, I, I, one of the other things again with my dad, <laughs> I said, you know, cause I said, um, I, I, he, he finally bought me this $35 drum kit. Right. So he bought me a drum kit. It had a, a kick drum. The drum kit was by a company called Tempro. I don't know. If I, you remember I do remember Tempro. Right. Right. Was it red? Was it that red uh, fake oyster no, pearl? No, it was not that because somebody who had it before me ripped the coating <laughs> off of it. So it was just wood painted a dull gold. Oh, okay. That's that's what they did to the kit. Right. So it was a kick drum. And a, a rack mount, a mounted tom that was racked onto the kick drum, mm -hmm. and a, a rod that had a cymbal on it. Coming out of the and, bass drum. Yeah, coming out of the bass drum. And <laughs> when you hit the cymbal, it didn't go like a crash cymbal. <laughs> you hit it, and it would go bam. <laughs> bam. <laughs> Say you say So I wore the nonsense out of that out of that kit. So one day I said, Dad, I got a friend of mine who's selling a whole bunch of drums. And I wanted to know if you would help me pay for these drums. He said, Well, how much does your friend well how many drums is it? I said, Dad, it's a boatload of drums. It was like it was like three bass drums, two <laughs> snares, like four or five toms, two floor toms, cymbals, stands, everything. It's like, you know, uh, a young rock and roller's tree, you know? And he's like, I told him there's a whole lot of stuff. And he's like, Well, how much does your friend want for the kit? And I said, he wants four hundred dollars for everything. My dad paused and said, well, I suggest you get your ass out there and get you a job to make that four hundred dollars, so you can go get that kit. Yeah. And my and you know my whole thing was like, come come on, Dad, you you have a you have a job, you you, you have money, you you pay for the kit. I'm your son. I'm right. I'm just a kid. I'm not supposed to be dealing with work or nothing like you know. But it was one of the greatest lessons in responsibility that I ever had coming from him or in general or from anywhere, okay? So I went out and got myself a little telemarketing job, calling calling up uh, information across the country and getting phone numbers for people so for this company that I was working wow, for. Wow. So uh, I did that for about six or seven weeks. I did it for a while. So I'm about seven or eight weeks in, and it's one Saturday morning. And my dad says, so how's it going with that drum set? I said, well, you know, it's coming along. 
uh, you know, I've, I've saved up about $200 so far. So, uh, you know, I got another seven weeks or so, and I'll be able to save up another $200, and then I'll be able to get the drum set. Can I at least ask you for a ride to go pick up the drums? And, you know, and he's like, yeah, uh, yeah okay. Just, you know, hang on a second. You said you got, you, you have $200 already? I said, yeah, I got $200, and, you know, in another seven weeks, I'll have the other 200 and then I'll be able to go get the drum set. He paused again. He said, call your friend and tell him we're coming over to get that drum set now. Uh, yeah, I saw that coming from, I know your, right. your dad, believe you, you know him, you know him. I know him, I love him. <laughs> and, and, and that's the kind of thing that he would do. He was, he was my biggest fan. He would come to my gigs and pay me like he was my manager. <laughs> Man, let me tell you what that is, and, and point out mistakes. <laughs> That's, uh, but you see, there's a symbiotic dream in there too. I mean, you got to realize he knew Miles, he knew Bird, he knew knew Train, he knew all that, but he knew that he was not going to fly that plane, and right. the best that he could do was to take the love and the passion and the knowledge that he had and hand it to you with some hard lessons and look at you now, as Tony Montana would say, look at you now. Right, 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 right. And now, okay, talk about talk about a humbling experience. Now this, again, as much as I love telling stories about my dad, because I've got a ton of those still, there's one particular story about another gentleman who I respect and appreciate, love and admire so very, very much. Now, knowing whether or not I even heard him play a note. What I used to do is I used to live up the block from a bus stop. And because I didn't have a car, I would strap my drums onto my trap case and drag them down the street and put them on the bus to take them into the city to go to Port Authority, to drag them off the bus down into the subway to get off at West 4th Street to walk four blocks to the village gate to do jam sessions every Sunday. Wow. I used to do that. That was my assignment in school. That's what Arnie gave me as an assignment in school. So I was doing that every Sunday. Now, one Saturday night, I decided I was going to go and hang out with my friends Saturday night and already be in the city for Sunday so it's less of a hump to get to the gig, right? So one Saturday night, I'm coming down the block. I got my drums and everything, and I'm standing out there waiting on the bus. I flag down the I wave down the bus. Bus driver stops. The door opens up. And I said, hey, how you doing this evening? Is it possible I could use your Bay Area so that I could put the drums, put my drums in, in your bus? He said, you got drums? And you're bringing them on my bus? <laughs> and I, 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 said, I said, yes, sir, I have no other way of doing things right now. And he says, okay, well, I'll tell you what. You know, he says, I tell you what, yeah, you can bring the drums on my bus, but you're going to take all your drums. You're going to take them all the way to the back of the bus, take them to the back of the bus. And then when you're done loading up your last piece, come sit up front here because I want to talk to you. Huh. This is what this man said. Man, I don't know him. I don't know him from a can of paint. No, you don't. <laughs> and, and, and this is what he says to me. Right. So I got the last piece on the, on the, on the, on the bus. Bus doors close and we start taking off and I come sit up in the front in the, in the passenger side front seat right there. He said, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're a drummer and you don't have your own car to get around to get where you need to go. How does that look? How, does that, how do you think that looks to somebody who's trying to hire you for a gig and you're going to show up getting off on a public bus with your drums? If you had a flute, that would be a different story. But you have a drum set. 
a drum set. How do you think that looks? And I was like, that I, I you know, and I'm, you, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you remember this that that Flintstones episode where 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 Fred Flintstone is sitting at the table and he's getting yelled at by all these executives, and every time he gets yelled at, it goes. I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. That would be uh, at the quarry. Yes. <laughs> the, right, right, right. Oh, do we need to get the guy's name? Rocks. Uh, uh, Mr. Slate. Mr. Slate. Mr. Slate. Yes. Yes. Mr. Slate at the quarry. Right. So he's he's ripping into me. He, this guy's ripping into me, and I'm like, okay, enough already. Enough already. All right. And he says, listen, son. The reason why I'm telling you this is because you may not understand it right now. Somebody else, my dad said that to me too. He prefaced something by saying that as well. He said, you may not understand it now, but you can get a valuable lesson from what it is I just told you. You want to know why? Let me show you why. So he reaches over to his right, like a low glove compartment area, and pulls out a manila envelope and hands it to me. I open the manila envelope and it's a black and white eight by 11 picture of him standing there with a trumpet. And it said, Joe Dupars of the James Brown Orchestra. Wow. He was driving a bus. Okay. So, you know, he was there for cold sweat and, you know, wow. he, was, he was there for all of that. So this man, that, that man is schooling me. Yeah. So, so what I ended up doing is I ended up saving my coins saving my dollars and I bought me a little hoopty but I had I had a car and then the next time I was just deciding not to drive into the city I was just going to hang out in the city so I went down and I flagged the bus and surely enough he was driving and he was like hey young man how you feeling I was like hi Mr. Dupars how's everything another side note I actually went to junior high school and high school with his daughter and didn't even know it right? but um <laughs> I was like, hey, Mr. Dupas, how's everything? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And I said, hey, he said, you doing all right? I said, yes, sir. As a matter of fact, I'm just riding the bus because I don't feel like driving into the city. But I took your advice and I bought my own car. So now I hope have my own car to get around to my gigs and everything like that. And he was like, my man. Wow, that's great. That is great. That's I'm, I'm, I'm glad you listened. You're, you know, your life is and, like a movie. Yeah, man. You like you like I, the jazz Forrest Gump. Funky <laughs> <laughs> <Bunky> Gump. <laughs> that's the name of our track. That is the name of our track. Funky Gump. Funky Gump. Well, I, you know, and I'll tell you, it's, an, it's interesting that you say. It's <laughs> interesting that you say that because you know I broke. Uh, I came out of um, oddly enough, I grew up in White Plains, but we really had our success out of Southampton. We had a a, a, a residency, but when it was just called a summer gig. And right. and the guy that the, there was a guy with a they had a um, sip and soda shop in Southampton where these guys have been there forever. They did lime rickies and the whole thing. And I'm there one time and they used to feed us because they knew we didn't have any money. We'd go in there and, and uh, we'd say, what do you want, boys? It was two brothers. And we'd say, well, I don't know. how. What can we get for this? How can we right. get for this right. much? You know? Oh, you know, yeah. We, and I mean, you know, I've, I've got like a dollar and six cents. We wind up getting turkey and bacon sandwiches. Sure, and, sure. You know, so good guys. And I walked outside feeling like, oh, man, I am. I am it's happening. It's like the first days of it happening for me. Right. And this summer's going on and, and everybody's being nice. And it's just, you know, I mean, you know. Yes. And one day I'm walking out of Sipping Soda, which I hope is still there. I haven't been to the Hamptons in a while. 
and there's a guy with painter's overalls on and a you know just the whole painter's rig with the hat and the whole thing paint all over him and coming down and he says to me out of nowhere are you a musician <laughs> we had long hair yeah uh, <laughs> yeah no it's it's me jesus christ no. <laughs> <laughs> You musician? I said, yes, sir, I'm drummer. He said, oh, have you ever heard of the Ink Spots? And I said, uh, and he said, ants in your pants? And I went, uh, and he said, I played drums on that tune. Oh, wow. The Ink Spots. That's wow. like, and it was like, and, but here's the, here's the reality of the whole thing. He didn't pull out the picture or do any of that stuff, but I'm in my first days of the glorious rise to God knows where. Yes, indeed. And he is coming down a ladder. Right. And it was like, you can never take this for granted. And that's a say, I mean, think about, that's just, so that was a, that was a heavy lesson. What a nice man. I mean, we just talked for a minute and, you know, he told me about the record. I, I didn't try to, you know, snuff him or anything. I, I didn't know the ink spots from, you know, the pencil spots. Right, but, sure. but I did go and find the track. I did, you know, my home. I did what I needed to do. And if I ever saw that man again, which I never did, I was going to pay him the respect that he was due being on right. a record of that stature, no matter where he is today. So, right. and, and that's that's another part of the blessing. How how far have we come in our lives and we still get to do this? That's right. That's right. How far we've come in our lives that we still get to do this, and how far do we plan on reaching back to pull others forward and give them the knowledge so that they may sustain themselves the way that we've been able to sustain ourselves? Because th that's another thing. I, you know, I had always promised myself had I gotten some kind of interview, and I did. I've been blessed enough to be in Modern Drummer a few times, you know, so I'm really thankful for that. Your childhood dream kind of thing, you know? I do. And um, I, it's, it's one of the things that I'm looking forward to the next one because I've always wanted to say this. There's nothing new under the sun. It's how you do it that makes people think you came up with it. It's, it's, because if you're talking about if you're talking about somebody like Terry Bozio being the hottest catch you've ever seen, you know, uh, or if you're talking about somebody like uh, 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 you know any of the cats, if you're talking about if you're talking about Terry Bozio being one of the hottest cats you've ever seen, go look up Tommy Aldrich. Yeah, if you're talking about Tommy I, Aldrich being one of the highest cats you've ever seen or one of the solidest cats you've ever heard play, go look up John Bonham. If you're talking about Dennis Chambers being one of the dopest cats with chops for days and everything like that, go look up Papa Joe Jones. You know, because there's always someone from where somebody got something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing that makes me laugh about music, and I, you know, I mean, this is my generation that uh, that happened, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was, you know, I saw music make the loop. And when I say that, I, God, I was, uh, I'm born in 52, so I got my first exposure in, let's call it 56, 57. Uh -huh. So I was in and I'm listening to records and I'm playing music and there's no Beatles and there's none of that yet. And but I'm into R&B. I mean, I, I have Ray Charles. I, I mean, come on. What else do you need? I've got a right. little bit of everything. Uh, and I think the, Ray Charles was, I think, my brother's record. So he loved. OK. Scotch brand recording team. 
Yeah. Lord knows yeah. the truth comes out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can make a make a tape commercial sound cool. Anyway, right. so I had you know all this influence all over the place, and um, it's. It fed. I, I totally my Scotch bread. Where was I going with this one? Senior <laughs> moment. Oh, the full. The right. Make uh, make the trip. I yeah. saw all the R and B. I loved Little Richard. I loved all that stuff. All that fifties fiery music. The, yeah. the big bopper. Yeah. I, you know, it wasn't my music, but I was hearing it. My brother was hearing it, and it was on the radio. And yeah. I could never figure out at two years old how they got the people to play the song exactly the same way every time. Yeah. Right. My, yeah. My no thing doctor. was, when I was little, I had no idea how they got the whole band inside the record. Exactly. <laughs> and once they got them in there, they played it exactly the same. At every single time. Every single time. And I mean, there's so, listen, we could go around for days in this whole thing. But when I, when I say that, you know, I remember getting exposed to all the Delta Blues and getting it, all the, that whole thing and then to see that the guys from England that really made it, that that's where they were drawing their whole very unique British invasion thing from. That's, that's right. That's I right. mean, and I saw it happen in real time and it yeah. was like... Yeah, the stone. I, I mean, who was it? Clapton said, you know, musicians are magpies. That's they steal from one another. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. it's not stealing. If I, you know, listen, you make gumbo and I decide to throw some chicory peas in it, then it's my recipe. Right. <laughs> For whatever it's worth, you, you, you know, you borrow, you borrow from this cat, you borrow from that cat, because I mean, honestly, we had to do that to get to where we are now. We didn't just come from nowhere and then all of a sudden decide that we were the inventors of the rudiments. Right. Well, look at it this way. When I was growing up, we lived in a, gar in a garden apartment that had about a six seven foot wall stone wall that divided our garden apartment from the new york hospital which is like a rehab hospital uh -huh. and when you're the little kid it's the big kids that boost you up onto the wall right that's right because they know what you're going up there to do and they know what you're going to see and eventually the little kid is the one who does the boosting so i guess yes. <laughs> i guess it's indeed yes I indeed guess. You know, and I just I, I'm you know, I'm I'm humbled and I'm honored at the same time to acknowledge the shoulders upon which I stand. And that's what it is. We, you know, somebody it, it's look, our our run, yours, mine, genes, everybody is finite. It ends. Does that mean that nobody ever gets to get any better than that? Is that what we want uh, in our legacy? Or do we want somebody to go, oh, man, listen to this. You know, I could do this. And, oh, what if I would? And that's the explosive exchange. That's the game of telephone with, with all music. That's right. That's right. That's what we have. You know, and, and, I, and I feel, again, I feel blessed because that's something that we have that a lot of other professions don't have. There are uh, there are a lot of professions that have to have the same guy working for 40 years with the same cookie cutter shape. And he's that same guy in the assembly line that sits there with the thing. Kunk. Yeah. Kunk. Yeah. Kunk. You know, and no change. 40 yeah. years. You know, 40 years to the point where he's doing that in his sleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. Kind of thing. We yeah. have the opportunity 
as musicians to not only go kunk, but we can go kunk, bing, go, pow, boom, and. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and then take all of that and go, hey, Billy. Check this out. And then Billy goes, Wow, I like that part. Can I add a little to that? It's yours. Take it. Take it. So now all of a sudden, Billy's somebody else comes along and goes, Can I add a you know? And it just, and we can, we can domino theory our way. We could snowball our way through it, but it's about it's 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 about being able to take those things that you already know are not yours that don't belong to somebody else, incorporate them to make them sound like they're yours, to make them sound like you shed it on this four hours a day, you know, six days a week for like six months before you even brought it out the house and played it as a fill on your on your next gig. Yeah, you know, you 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 you, you just take. You take what you can take, you know, you get, I, I, I remember it's again, Michael Carvin, the, one of the most valuable lessons to me was when he told me to play my weekend. Right. Yeah. But that's somebody who's thinking past even the notes. That's somebody who's thinking down to the universal language. I mean, exactly. don't you, don't you think that it's, uh, look at this. You can take a piece of sheet music anywhere in the world. And it doesn't matter what the native language is. If the that dude music can get read. Okay. <laughs> now the only place that I've ever heard of that in history, where outside of music, is in China. This is a useless fact that you you know, next time you're playing Beijing, you pull this one out. There there's two distinct dialects in Chinese. Mandarin, Mandarin and Cantonese. Exactly. Oh. Now, Mandarin has four tones. And Cantonese has nine tones. So when you hear the guys, wine, 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 those guys, that's Cantonese. And that's, that's Mandarin. Okay. Uh -huh. The two languages, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me. If you're talking Mandarin and, and I only understand Cantonese, I can't understand what you're saying. But wow. they read the same character. Wow. Dick, that, Is that cool? I thought that's that was cool. amazing. Yeah, nerd fact, but it's cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. I it like is amazing. I, I mean, think about that's as as universal as music is. I mean, that's just to me, that's the ultimate. Go to some sure. French guy. You can sit there all day going boom, 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 boom. But all you have to do is put the chart in front of them and. and and now you speak in the same language. Yeah. And now you speak in the same language. Yep. Yeah. The same language. Uh, that's that's you, know. you know that's beautiful. So I have one more question before I actually get to the questions. <laughs> okay. Because I would love to tell you one more story before we get to those questions. Okay. If you don't mind. So I don't ever mind. I don't ever mind. But um, the people are loving your stories. But yeah, it's, oh, this is what. Yeah. We, Thank you. What yeah. we do, it's you know, I, I'll tell you. One of my friends was the inspiration for this. And oh, I got Don't let me forget about shoehorn doorknob and ankle. Um, one of my friends was the inspiration for this, you know, or sort of, because he was amazed, you know, what my, you know, who our friends are when we sit in a room with our friends and we have one of our civilian friends come and they hear the conversation about, oh, like, for instance, when I w was at your show, Ryan Tedder was talking about, uh, to um, Michael uh, Lipman, 
mm-hmm. about writing for, uh, he was going to have a rig put on his bus so he could write for Miley Cyrus. And I just thought, you know, that's good, right? So, and that was at your show. And um, and yeah. I, 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 if I had one of my friends with me that had no idea, you know, just they would be like, you know, and so when they get blown away, when you bring them, you know, you give them the backstage pass and they hear that stuff, all of a sudden you realize the value of our conversations. And I wanted them to, I wanted to share that with them. You know, they sure. don't get to hang out at the hotel bar. They aren't, you know, they're not in the green room. So that's right. That's okay, right. So, so yeah. So, uh, so shoe, shoe, shoe on, doorknob, ankle. Okay. When we were kids, and we knew we wanted to be musicians, right? And we're, I'm talking, you know, we. my first band was called the Continentals. Okay. And it was who eventually turned into my bass player was playing accordion. <laughs> and my, our, who eventually turned into our light guy, guess why, was playing trumpet. And I had snare drum and I had bass drum. Uh-huh. And we were the Continentals, but we had an original. We played the Continental theme, and we played When the Saints Go Marching, and it's the only two songs that I remember that we did. But Jan, the trumpet player's dad, was a bona fide um, jazz. jazz sax player from the West Indies. I mean, a one of those guys, you know, mm-hmm. you know the guys. And... Um, and I was also got another. I'm gonna go straight off. I gotta get back to the shoehorn. So, so what we wanted to play all the time. We lived in an apartment building. We couldn't can't play. How old were you? Uh, ten, nine, ten, maybe eleven. So we made up this thing where we would one. There were like three of us, and one guy would say shoehorn door knob and ankle. Shoehorn door knob and ankle. And next guy would go thirty-eight caliber refrigerator door, thirty-eight caliber refrigerator oh. door, and then you had shoehorn door knob and ankle. Yeah, thirty-eight caliber door knob and ankle. And then eyeball, 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 eyeball. Exactly. <laughs> And, and so that was a, that's all we could do to make music. We wanted to do yeah, yeah. anything, but yeah, no. I wanted to ask you about Khalees. Yeah. Okay. Because sure, I love Khalees. Oh, you know, how, how did I bet? How did that happen? Well, that was a. Uh, um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was a fluke, but um, I have a very dear friend of mine. His name is Mark Batson. Incredible, incredible composer, writer amazingly prolific piano player, orchestrator, just and, and, and an overall just incredible human being. Turns out he had a gig at this place that no longer exists in New York, place that was called Time Cafe. Um, and the bottom, and you know, underneath the Time Cafe was a club called The Fez. And they used to have gigs there. And he had a gig opening up for Nona Hendrix. Oh, with, I had project. I've had most of her band on the yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> Carmine, Carmine Rojas. And, yes. Oh yeah. I, the, and yeah. Trevor. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Trevor. Martinez. Yeah. Eddie Martinez and uh, and um, oh man, yeah, the, all my China Club buddies. Yes. Yeah, so right on. Right on. So you know, so um, Mark gets my number from somewhere and calls me and asks me if I would be interested in doing this gig. And I said, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as hungry as I was before. I just don't eat as much, but I'm as hungry still, 
you know. But I, you know, I was like, yeah, sure, come on, man, I'm down. I didn't even know how much the gig was paying, whatever, whatever, whatever. I was just like, I wanted to broaden my horizons. Whoever I was playing with, I wanted to make sure they knew somebody that could put me in contact with somebody else, and somebody else in the band could take my number, and then they call me. This is how I was networking. This is how I was branching out and doing my networking. So I come into rehearsal and Mark is like, he's like doting all over me. He's like, oh man, I can't believe I got you, man. This is unbelievable, man. I'm like one of your biggest fans, man. You don't understand. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's like, dude, ever since I found out that you played with D'Angelo, just so that I know, you know, cause, and, and then to know that you're available to do this gig, oh man, I'm over the moon right now. You don't understand. Yeah, and you the know bars, like, you got some, you got some scores on that side of the street. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, thank God. And uh, you know, so we're playing, you know, we're playing the gig, and then the gig is over. Couple months later, he's like, uh, "There's this." He, he calls me up. It's like there's this new artist that's getting ready to come out. Her name is Kalise. And uh, I, you might have heard her tune, and I think I may have heard it. I may have heard it like twice on the radio, you know, okay. before Mark yeah. mentioned yeah. it to me. And it was the um, the I hate you so much right now. Song, oh, okay, but, uh, yeah, right? okay, that one. And uh, he says, uh, you know, um, she's looking for band members, so everybody else has got to audition. But if you want the gig, the gig is yours. You know, so I was like, sure, man, I'll take the gig. So taking that gig not only got me a chance to travel the world again, you know, I uh, bucket list, I got a chance to, to do the Mount Fuji Jazz Festival with her. I got a chance to do Glastonbury with her. You know, um, what's the other one? Something Fields. There's another one over in England. Yeah. Oh. But you know those big those those big one hundred uh, two hundred fourteen thousand Donington Donington that was probably one of them too. Yeah, it's there was one. another one too. I think it was like a fruit. It might have been like cranberry fields or something like that. Oh, it could but, be. Uh, you know, but I mean, I got to play all of those festivals with her, and then it went from that to becoming her musical director. Wow. Then it from being her musical director. It went from that to opening up for six weeks in Europe for you too. Oh man! You know, so you you talk about you talk about take a step, take another step, take another step, take another step, and then eventually you turn around and you look back and you see how far you've come. Yeah. Oh yeah. What Steve Stevens said. Yeah, that's yeah. Stevens said that he never said no. Yeah. He said yes to everything, and it took him to another place and to another place that he never thought he would even go. And and yeah, it's believe me, I I hear you. Um, John Edwistle used to say he'd play at the opening of an envelope if his fans were. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, true. Oh man, the witticisms from there. Are about endless. Okay, so we've um, got another dad story. Oh, that's right. You you have another you have another story for me. Oh gosh, yes, yes, okay. yes, indeed. Here, here it comes. All right. So, again, uh, my dad works at Warren Weaver Hall as a custodian at New York University, NYU, and he's across the street from the bottom line. All right. So he got to see a lot of those cats go in and out. He befriends the owner manager of the bottom line. <laughs> Right. So now now he's good buddies. You know, they're buddy. They're all chummy and stuff. Right. So my dad would get the heads up 
when certain cats would come to town. All right, so this one time, I'm at home. You know, I'm in Teaneck. I'm, you know, I'm in Jersey, and Dad's working. Excuse me, Dad's working in the village, right? So he calls the house, and he's like, "Son, what are you doing right now?" I was like, "Nothing, Papa. I just finished my homework. I just finished practicing." He's like, "Uh, how fast can you get into the city?" I said, "I'll get there as fast as I can." He's like, "All right, hurry up, hurry up." I was like, "Okay." You know, it's about seven in the evening, something like that, right? So I hop on the bus. Bus gets me in. I hop on the train. I go downtown, and I see my dad at this. And you know, I see my dad at the job, and he gets one of his coworkers to punch him out. And we walk across the street, and this is the first. This is one of the first times that I saw star quality uh. from my from my dad. Okay, we walk across the street. There's a line going around the corner. You know that corner of Mercer, Bryners, yeah. and everything, right? There's a line going around the corner. The club owner comes out and goes. Mr. Fogel, come on, come up to the front. So we come to the front, we go right to the booth there, and the person, the ticket taker is like, oh, good evening, Mr. Fogel, how's everything? And my jaw, my jaw keeps dropping more and more. So we get inside, and the hostess is like, hi, Mr. Fogel, how you doing? Good to see you again. Your usual table? And now I'm like, oh, my, my dad's a freaking rock star. My dad is a rock star. My dad is a rock star. Yeah. He's got everything going on. My dad's a rock star, right? So we sit down and, just, and, and my dad is just as humble as he can be about it. He's like, look, I see the club is sold out. You guys got a line around the corner. You know, if you could just put me in the back in the corner somewhere, we'll be just fine. We'll stand if we have to. No, Mr. Fogel, this is your table. You're going to sit at your table, Mr. Fogel. So we sit down and it's a, and coincidentally, it was the first time that I had a beer with my dad. Right. So we sit down and the opening act comes on. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm bottom line welcome to Mr. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser comes out and does his comedy thing. Right. So it's comedy. And, you know, and I'm, I'm like, OK, fine. Cool. No problem. Cool. Comedy. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. <laughs> Drum set sets up, the chairs are out there, stand, music stands are out there and everything. And I still haven't put one to one one and one together. Guy comes over the PA and says, ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm bottom line welcome to Mr. Buddy Rich and the Buddy Rich Orchestra. Wow. My jaw, my jaw hit the table. It was like conk. You know, so Buddy's burning, the band is killing it, and everything like that. You know, everything's like, and then they, the set's over. Then the hostess comes over to my dad and says, will you be staying for the second set, Mr. Fogel? Oh! And, and he was like, look, again, you know, you're gonna have a line around the corner. If you need this table, they're like, Mr. Fogel, this is your table. You know how many times we gotta tell you, this is your table, right? So, next thing you know, Paul Reiser, da 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 give it up, Buddy Rich, end of the second set, right? So, show's over and everything, and I'm I'm on cloud 49. I'm guessing, right? So dad says, come with me for a second, son. So he takes me, I think I'm about 19 or so. So he takes me over by the side stage entrance. There's nothing but a big curtain right behind the drum Believe set. I know it well. I played, I played the line. I, I know right, it well. Right? Yeah. So you know, you know the deal, right? So big bouncer dude is standing there in the front. And my dad walks up to him and says, I know you're busy and I'm not trying to take up any of your time or anything like that, but if you could just do me a favor and go back and just tell Mr. Rich that Al Fogel says hello and, you know, Al Fogel's here and just wanted to say hello. So a little lull happens. The guy goes back and then all of a sudden from the back, 
up from the backstage area, you hear, Al Fogel is here. Al Fogel is here. You tell him to get his black ass back here right now. <laughs> it was Buddy. Oh, and that's when I realized that my dad and Buddy were friends. Wow. Because because cause the, the bouncer ushered both of us backstage. Buddy comes out and he's like, Oh, holy cow, look at you. You're just as ugly as the last time I saw you. Holy cow, how you been? How's everything? It's just a little one. Holy cow, he's just as ugly as you are. This is unbelievable. Great to see you out, you know. And he's like, what do you, what do you play, kid? Here, he goes into his trap case, pulls out a couple signature series sticks. Here you go, kid, good luck, you know, this kind of stuff. Right, and my dad and he are just going. Yeah, I remember that time you were at the club, and you know, because I remember you don't drink, Al. I know you don't drink, you know, this kind of thing. Right. So now I'm on cloud fifty nine. Right. So fast forward about seven months later. Seven months later, ring, ring, ring. Pick up the phone. I'm at home. My dad's like, "Son, you busy? <laughs> no, Bob. What's up? No. How fast? How fast can you get in the city?" I'm on my way because I knew what happened before. So I knew, I, no, something's about, something's big is about to go down, right? So I come into the city. He gets his friend to punch him out at work. We go across the street. It's like a repeat telecast. How you doing, Mr. Fogel? Usual table, blah, blah, blah. Please, you stay for the set. All, there was almost like a, a, a repeat telecast of the entire evening. <laughs> All right, so we're sitting down. Guy comes over to PA. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm, Bottom line, welcome for the Elvin Jones Quintet. Oh. <laughs> wow. My jaw. There, there, was, there was still an indentation from the first time my jaw hit the table with the Buddy Rich thing. And it, and the second time, my jaw fit perfectly in that same indentation. Because it was still <laughs> it, there. It, it was still there. And, you know, I fell and hit the hip. Oh, I'm sitting there like, Elvin. You know, wow. right? So Elvin goes through it, and then again, Mr. Fogel, will you be staying for the second set? All of this, you know, the whole thing, right? End of the night, same, almost, it was almost like it was scripted, I kid you not. We go back. It was. A different guy. <laughs> it was, by the way. Coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. But That's please. right. That's right. That's right. So, and, you know, same thing, different bouncer. My dad goes, if you could do me a favor and just, you know, let Mr. Jones know that Al Fogel's out. He just wanted to say hello right quick. That's all. And then all of a sudden, a couple minutes later, from backstage, you hear, Al Fogel is here. Al Fogel is here. You tell him to get his ass back here right now. We're backstage, and here I am. I'm in the middle of a sweaty Elvin dad hug sandwich. Al, it's been how many years since I seen you? About 35, 40 years? You look good. Man. What you been up to? How you? There's the little one here, huh? Is he play? All right, good. Good luck to you. What's your? Who's your favorite drummer? And you better say Elvin Jones, because you know <laughs> it, it was that kind of thing. And wow, I mean, man. just, uh, just, just, just the amazing things that my dad allowed for me to experience because of his position in the game. Yeah, I mean, you can't make that up, man. You know, that's that's the that's the real stuff. That's this, and like I said before, yeah, But the but the thing about it is, he, you see, that's the difference between people that think that you do it for them and people that know 
that you do it for them. You yeah. know, he, he was as important to Alvin as he was to Buddy, as he was to anybody, because that's he right. was listening. Right. And man, that's the key to everything. It's the key to being a great drummer is listening to what's going right. on on the stage. It's 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 about listening to what's how the thing is being assembled and what part of your music you can put in there. It's that's a, right. It's very much a it's a it's a, a group sport. You know, and yeah. it's, it's a team sport, I meant to say. And, oh, of course. and, you know, and when you have a team that has chemistry, you're unstoppable. That's uh, right. So, man, that's uh, this is well, for, uh, let me say this, too, before we get over into the question part. First okay. of all, I do a thing. Um, I don't know. Was Matt on tonight? I told Matt back that no, we, him he's been on. And, you know, that's a whole nother treasure there for me yeah. to watch that's, him come up my dude. from yeah. from a kid to where he is i mean that's i don't have kids you see so uh -huh. um so i'm still i'm still practicing <laughs> but, but but i don't have kids so for, for me to watch someone that i might have cast a little shadow on here or there I, that's just that's the biggest reward there is man so, absolutely that's you know, my that's my that's my kim plainfield moment there you go and you it, and and oh and i'll tell you my kim plainfield moment well, okay it's different it's different and it's and it's easy um i taught when i first was able to buy my own kit i bought uh champagne sparkle you know the classic slingerland kit i think it was a 12 inch tom tom uh, 16 by 16 <laughs> You know the whole the whole thing because of Dino Dinelli, but I wasn't willing to go to Ludwig. I was a Zild, uh, Slingerland guy, uh -huh. but I did the pink champagne. So yeah. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, there's a kid down the street has the exact same set that I have, only with a 13 inch rack tom, and he's selling it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I said, come on, man. Now I've got a 12, a 13, two 16s, but I don't care. I can, you know, and I got a spare snare drum in case I break right. a head. All of a sudden, I'm Ginger Baker. Yeah, and, yeah. And man, so, so now my brother sees that I'm getting serious about music. He was the dabble around kind of guy who never took it anywhere. And um, I was the, well, holy shit, let's do it. Well, his best friend's brother was a salesman at Sam Ash and White Plains. Happened oh, okay. to be a drummer. The guy's name was Jimmy Wiedershaw. And he said, um, his his brother, my, my brother's friend, said, go ask my brother Jimmy if he'll show you some stuff. And I said, well, thank you. I, that would really be cool. So I went into Sam Ash, going to show me some stuff, right? Went into Sam Ash and I said, you know, what, what, your brother said maybe you'd show me some stuff. He said, yeah, he's older than me by at least you know, six, seven, maybe eight years. Uh -huh. And uh, and so he said, where do you practice? And I said, well, I actually practice at my friend's basement. And he said, well, why don't I come over there Saturday and we'll go at it? And I said, okay. And he comes and he sees the kid with the two bass drums and he looks at me like, really? Okay. <laughs> and he says, uh, and he says uh, you know, how serious are you about two bass drums? And I said, real serious, but I don't know anything other than blah, 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 blah. So he starts to say, well, look, it's the same thing. And he just, for the next, just like us, for the next unforeseen length of time, he gave me gift after gift after gift after gift after gift. And at the end of 
two almost three hours of holy shit yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said to him, man, I said, this is the this is going to change everything for me. I, I'm so grateful. You know, I didn't have any money. I'm a kid. I, I said, is there anything that I could do for you? And he said, yeah, there is. When you get the opportunity, pass it on. That's right. Mm -hmm. Pay forward, baby. Yep. And Pay I've forward. been doing it ever since. So mm -hmm. right on. So there you go, man. So here's so here's the rest of the rhetoric before we get to the almighty questions. My question. <laughs> um, you are now a permanent. Well, you've always been a permanent member of the family, but now you're part of this family, and your key to get into the meeting, it works for any meeting. So okay. you, you're, you happen to be swimming by, and you see a little Matt Beck in there, or you see some, you know, you come right on in and say hello. And every Friday, right on, is outstanding. Free and every all. Friday is free for all Friday. Right. So, okay. which, which means anybody that's got the key can show up. Oh, okay. And uh, do you know Booker King? By any chance? Sure. He's in there tonight. Oh, sure, dude. Booker's there. Booker's, it's Booker's. Uh, Booker, you're in there, man? Yeah. It's his mother's birthday it's his tomorrow. his mother's 90th oh. birthday yeah. tomorrow. So, Happy birthday, Mrs. King. Oh, and thank party. you so much for Booker. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to have a Zoom party for her. Oh wow! So I will text you if it's if it comes down. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, we gotta have respect. She's ninety. Whatever yes. she wants and doesn't want, that's the way it goes. But if I have my way, we'll all have little signs like the Brady Bunch, and <laughs> yes. you know, I'd like to celebrate uh, Mrs. King's ninetieth with her yeah. if, if it works out. Right on, right yeah. on. So right that's on. what we're about here, man. It's about hey, guess who's here? And, this is a great vibe. Know, it really is. Well, so there we go. So now for my. The I'd like to have some fancy French name like the actor's studio for my questionnaire, but I really don't. It's just <laughs> questions. Question du jour. There you go. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> question du jour. Yes. That's no. a good one. Cat sank. Questions du jour. <laughs> Cat sank in the water. Cat sank in the water, sank in the tub. He sank all over. You know what? Oh, that's right. I did. I did never ask you that question. Yeah. How did you get with Matchbox? How did that happen? Or or Rob? How did that? How did that happen? The boys, my dear friend, our dear friend that we were just talking about, Matt Beck. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Matt and I, Matt and I were doing um, gigs around the city. Uh, you know, at like like late night clubs and things like that. You know, and I was just getting to know Matt. And Matt was just getting to know me and stuff. So, you know, we're doing these gigs every now and then. And we were on this gig together uh, with a, with an Armenian singer. I believe her name was Husher. H-O-O-S-H-E-R-E, -O -O -E, something like that. Right? So we're on the gig. And during the break, Matt comes up to me and says, Abe, I might have this situation coming up. I'm not so sure yet that the drummer that I'm dealing with uh, can commit to it. I don't know yet. He hasn't told me yet. But um, I might have a situation if you're interested. You know, I, I'd love to have you come on board. And I was like, and I was like, um, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, man. Yeah, sure. You, you know, let me know. Sure, whatever. And I, just out of curiosity, you know, who, what is it? <laughs> He's like, well, I've been working with this guy named Rob Thomas. And I was like, oh, well, okay, okay, cool, yeah, great, great. Well, you know, just let me know, and you know, we'll make it work. You know, make it happen. See what happens. I had no idea who Rob Thomas was. <laughs> None, right? So I get home, 
and I, you know, you do the little Google search. Yeah. And, and again, jaw dropping. I'm like, that's Rob Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> was that's smooth? The, was smooth out at that time, or was it smooth? Yeah, smooth. Oh, okay. Smooth, so, well, yeah. Oh, so there's. You know, a, I was like, I was like, because see, because my association was smooth with Santana, as yeah. far as I knew. Yeah. Smooth was Carlos was Carlos Santana, you know, with this with this kid singing out front yeah you know with this with this gorgeous blue-eyed kid sitting there singing out front mm -hmm. you know that's all i knew as far as what smooth was right yeah so um you know i look him up and i'm like holy cow that's rob thomas wow wow this is big uh this might be bigger than anything that i have imagined this is really big so a couple weeks pass by fast forward a couple weeks and he gives me a call no we're on a gig we're on a gig and matt says to me Abe, the gig is yours if you want it. Wow, you didn't even have to audition. Did not have to audition. He said, the gig is yours if you want it. And he said, come to find out, the other drummer had another obligation. And when they found out the schedule of Rob's first tour, they want to start doing a promo tour. So there was like six weeks of promo to be done. And then the real tour was going to kick in. The other drummer wanted to call in a sub to do the six weeks and then come out and do the real meat of the tour. Yeah, yeah. And Rob was Rob was like, well, no, because if I, you know, if I want you, if I want you here, I want you here. Yeah, I want you here. you're either you wear the suit or give it to somebody else. <laughs> right, right. You know, so the other guy couldn't get out of his obligation and the sub wasn't going to be able to do the six weeks that he originally wanted the sub to do. So Matt said, Abe, the gig is yours if you want it. So I remember the second day of rehearsal, when Rob showed up to the rehearsal, I was like, two things. I went up to him and I was like, two things, man. He's like, yeah, what's up? And it's the sweetest guy too. Rob's just one of the most beautiful people. Forget about his musicianship. He's just one of the most beautiful people that I've ever met, right? Yeah. So I said, two, two things, man. First of all, thank you for having me, man. I really, really appreciate being here, man. Thank you so much. He was like, are you kidding me? You're an effing beast, man. I love having you here, man. Thanks so much for being here, man. You're really going to do, you know, we're going to do big things, you know. He's getting all happy and excited and everything. And I said, and the second thing is, for whatever it's worth to you, I'm here from spring training until the World Series and everything in between. <laughs> well, I, you see, that's, yep. that's the ethic. Thank you, Al. That's the work ethic, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it has to be. It's, uh, and I always tell everybody, uh, quicker, faster, cheaper, better. Let me, let me know. Let me know. Because eventually the money comes. You know, you do what you do right, and, and you're the only guy in the room that can do it. The, you know, that, it, that's, you can't. It's it's a weird balance to say you can't look at the money because you have to look at the money, but right. but you know there are times when the money is secondary to the opportunity, and yes, you know and the artistry. Yeah, and I I've been there and the opportunity. I mean, no matter what, to do the things that we get to do, it's not really about the payday. Although no. obviously the payday is awesome, but you know it's it's and I just told this this thing the other night. Somebody people used to say, "What's it like to do what you do?" Because it's the only thing I've ever done. I didn't ever have a job. I uh -huh. actually just, <clears throat> I happened to get very lucky and find a, a group of guys that stuck together and the chemistry kept building for 25 years. Nice. So, you know, and it's that's a totally different animal. 
<clears throat> and it's all you know it comes with its own set of challenges and own set of rewards but people say what's it like to do what you do and i for years i labored well it's the greatest thing in the world it's a, and i came up with a very simple you know remember when it was saturday you were 12 years old summer day you rode your bike all day and then you barely made it home for dinner imagine if somebody gave you five thousand dollars and said make sure you do that again tomorrow it's like that yeah absolutely see because i mean the other thing about it that um i think we understand better than some of like the young bucks coming up and stuff like that you know a lot of these young bucks they're you know they're coming up and it's like about the money but um when we first started playing i wasn't looking at it in terms of uh you know the money that i was making because when i first when i first picked up sticks and i first whacked a drum i was looking at it as like Man, this is so much fun. This yeah, is, I didn't is, even know there was fun. money. <laughs> well, right, right. This is so much fun. And then after a while, it was like, I'm having fun and getting paid to have fun? Exactly. Wow, this is great. And the only, al just... the only alternative to that is a porn star. <laughs> right. And even but, that's, you know, that's a limited time only. So, you know, uh, we, yeah, we got the gig. Limited, limited fun all as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, so I, I'd rather, I'd rather take this. Yeah, I'd, rather, yeah. I'd rather take this and 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 I'd rather make love to this lady here. I heard that. Yeah. I heard that with my bad ear. <laughs> all good. Well, oh man, this is just. I could go on for another hours and hours. Yes, yes, some, could. Something tells me that dinner's cooking, but we will do this again. I'm gonna. I'm going to do, I have a drummer's one where, you know, there's just like four or six or eight of us. And maybe, yeah, you know, one, of the, the, and, yeah, and one of the fans is asking for a drum battle. Well, it's going to, oh, that's the thing I wanted to tell you about. Okay. Uh, because of this COVID thing, you know, I'm all about taking, you know, lemons, lemonade. Yeah. And so what I'm doing and what we'll do together will be different, but it's not a lot different. I'm going to send you a, a backing track, drums. You're going to play your part on top of it and send it back to me. And, okay. we're, and we're just going to do that until we have a bridge. Ah, okay. Well, I've been doing that with Booker. I've been doing it with, um, I'm, I, I did Angus. it yeah, with Angus and, and Madam. Mm -hmm. And, and wow. so I'm sending out tracks. I'm going in there and whatever feel I want. Do you know Stylus, the, the plugin called Stylus? Yes. Yes. Okay. I pull up a groove on Stylus, pump it through my in-ears, hit record, go in there, and I'm jamming with whoever it is that did that groove. And I'm in the pocket. I'm feeling it. It's whether it's pushing or pulling. And then I mute Stylus and I send it to you and it's your turn right on and i got nothing to say about what you do and likewise you know i sent booker a, a real kind of a fusion track so there's a, a road map but really i'm just going to start sending out time and signatures and let everybody do it and when it comes back to me it's like a game of telephone you know yes yes so that's, that's the only music. way we can jam in covid19 right right it's the covid jam yeah it's the covid jam Right, so there you go, you know, and you know we got to do we got to do some pandemic paradiddles. We're gonna <laughs> pandaradiddles. <laughs> yeah, we will. No, we will, and and with you know, I see. Yeah, right, right. With Funky Gump. That's right. I'm That's sending right. you to Funky Gump. It's it's gonna. I'm going in there tomorrow. Okay. That should be the name of the okay. movie. Paradiddles with Funky Gump. Yeah. <laughs> paradiddles with Funky Gump. And then, and then when we're done. 
the both of us should sync up and say, well, that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're gonna have some fun, man. What I think, yeah, because uh, I'll go nuts if I don't. It's like it's like how we used to say torture for a keyboard player would be having a Hammond B3 and a Leslie with no cable. Oh, oh, yeah, it's like us with yeah. no sticks, but we can still play, use our hands, right? Right, right, all right. So, let me jump on these questions with you, man. Sure, sure. Uh, this has just been this has been the, a glorious beginning. To yes, here. indeed. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so who knows I'm where so we'll thrilled. take this? We'll take it places. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the car when we, when we take it places. Are. I'm in the car are. with you. And Just I got make you. sure we got Make sure we got enough snacks and water. I'm there with you. We got. We'll always have snacks. Greg, go grab a snack and come on back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay. That's right. So talking about a snack, what a perfect segue to my first uh, question. Right. You've, been, you've been everywhere anybody could ever want to go. And when you know you're going to a certain state or a certain country or a certain town, what's the restaurant that you get excited about? Favorite restaurant out on the road? Wow, that's a tough one. And uh, uh, for me, there there are two in particular whenever I go to L.A. Oh. Then, right? So, um, and it's not even so much that it's high class or anything like that. Doesn't happen. But it's, been a, it's, a, it's a longstanding tradition that I've done with one of my best friends, Bernard Bell. Uh, when we, uh, if you're familiar with Regina Bell, Regina is his sister. Oh, uh, okay. So so we were playing in that band together and it, and we went out to LA uh, for for to do, to do what was the Joan Rivers show, but Joan was in contract deliberations. So Arsenio was hosting the show oh. and then it ended up turning into the Arsenio Hall wow. show. Right. Yeah. And now on a side note, it was Mark Hudson's big band. That was the, the band, you know, Mark Hudson from the Hudson. Oh, Brothers. Well, 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 yeah, I'm going to go ahead. Keep talking. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to make you laugh your ass off. But go ahead. OK, okay. <laughs> it was it was Mark Hudson's Mark Hudson's band. And in the band, he had Jimmy Johnson on bass. OK, oh. of, Holes, of Holesworth celebrity and so much more. Alan Holesworth celebrity. So, so much more. And. Vinnie Caliuta was playing drums. Oh, I one of my uh, probably my my favorite uh, contemporary guy right now. He's just yeah. amazing, Vinny. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, and, you know, so we were, uh, you know, we we were out there, and before we came back home, before we got back on the flight to go back home, uh, we stopped. On uh, you know that strip, I believe the strip is uh, either Sepulveda, the one yeah. that goes towards LAX, yeah, or, or, or Century, one of those two, right? The one that leads you right into LAX, right? Gotcha. On on the way, the guy in the car, the guy driving us, he was like, "Well, if you guys want to stop and get something to eat, we can stop right here." Turns out that we stopped at Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Go yes. By the way, I'm doing my yes. Mark Hudson for I, you. I see that. <laughs> so we, we stop we stop at Carl's Jr. and it's the first time that I had the Southwestern double bacon cheeseburger. Oh. And fell, fell head over heels in love with that and their waffle fries and, and you know just the drink you know, but it was that so I made it a point every time I went out to LA. I would go to Carl's Jr. And now, with the advent of technology, 
every time I go out to LA or go out to California or someplace that I know has a Carl's Jr., I go to Carl's Jr., place my order, get the order, put it down on the table, take a picture of it, and send it to Bernard. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's what that's you know, that's the best answer you can give. TV with Johnny's Pizza. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I have a friend who sends me pictures of Johnny's Pizza in Mount Vernon, my my favorite pizza on the planet. But you know, and when he goes to New York, takes a picture. Of yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's that's, that's that was one of the restaurants. Yeah. And then the other one, whenever I get a chance to get to it, there was one time I was staying in L.A. with Rob, and I found out that I was right around the corner from Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Oh. Walking distance. Oh, Walking oh that's distance. not fair. That's it wasn't. Listen, I'll give you miles, man. I'll give you buddy. But walking <laughs> distance from Roscoe's, that's a stretch. I'm I'm that that hurts. It I'm gonna say right I'm, I'm gonna tell you how much I love chicken and waffles, the real deal. Uh-huh. There's a place called Bay Bay's in West Palm Beach. Which is a, which is an easier two hour ride from here, yeah. and I go there for chicken and waffles because nice. it's so good. It's the it's it's almost Roscoe's. Well, because we're in Florida. Yeah, we're in Florida. So yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. All right. Yeah, those are those are my two. Well, yeah, man, Roscoe's. I, I'm that. Those are excellent. Those are <laughs> those are two of my favorite answers so far. Too. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right, live, and it doesn't matter what it is, where it come from, what band, it doesn't matter. Favorite song to play live. We're playing this song, uh, uh, Immortal. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of them. But, but, but I, I tell you, even, even above Immortal, as much as I absolutely love playing Immortal, and I love playing all the best music, but above that, I love playing Let's Dance with Rob's band. Oh, that's interesting. David, David David Bowie's Let's Dance. Yeah, you guys with, cover with, that with Rob's band. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we, we, and it's it's become it's become a staple in our set since we started covering. We started covering it back in '05, and we've since added a couple of other tunes to say, all right, if I'm if you know if Rob's not in a Let's Dance mood tonight, we have um, uh, Baby I'm a Star by Prince. Oh, you know, so so we'll have that in place just in case, and then it's up to Rob every time you know before we hit the bandstand as to which one of the two or which one of the few that we have to put in that place to play. But I would say I'd say hands down uh, with Rob's band. If it wasn't with David Bowie, which I never got a chance to, he was on my bucket list for sure. Yeah. But you know, um, which I never got a chance to oh, do. You would have been great in that band. You would oh, I would, I would absolutely have. Oh my goodness! But you know, you know, one of my dear, dear friends, Zach Alfred, is. Mm. You know, he's he had that gig for a very long time, and Zach, Zach is just absolutely brilliant. Zach is just ugh. Yeah, it, 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 we had Alan Childs. Yeah, we had Alan Childs on the show. Alan, you know. yes, yes, yes. So yeah, yes. no, I get it, and and it's funny how all of these, you know, it's like it's like uh, gears in a clock, man. How it all meshes together, and there's a right. little one and a big one, and right, it, right. It's, it's you know cool. another another analogy would be the six degrees. Yeah. Oh, it, you know? not to, we haven't gotten to six here yet. Uh, we haven't gotten past two. <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but it is like it's exactly like that, and it blows my mind. Oh, 
Okay, I got to interrupt the questions to tell you. I'm going to tell you this okay. as quick as I possibly can because now that I know that it was you with Cool and the Gang from '96 to '99, oh. you've got to hear this story. Oh yes, yes, yes. And there you go for the brain cells because I still hang on to these things. I got, <laughs> I, got like, I, got a, I got a dozen left. <laughs> uh, do you know? Did you know Bob Mayo? Bob, um, from Peter Frampton's band, keyboard uh, um, he was a keyboard player slash guitar player. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Okay. okay. I mean, I never knew him personally. Right. I don't know him personally, but okay. Well, he's he's gone not with us anymore, and uh, but oh, oh. um and he and he was in um he was in my band. He was in Rat Race Choir before Mark hit. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So so I've been I was friends with Bobby forever, and Bobby Club was one of those guys. He'd get off a tour doing the biggest double live album of all time, and say to me, "I got a gig in um uh what is it West uh what was it in Jersey, well, oh, Wildwood. Wildwood. Wow. He said I got a gig in Wildwood, New Jersey. Right. And he had a Jeep. Do you want to play? And I said, Sure, man, I'll play. I, you know, as long as I can bring my pedals and my own snare drum. Yeah, no problem. The rest of the gear is there. So I said, Okay. He picks me up in a Jeep, right? Jeep, soft top Jeep, your classic Jeep. Not the, you know, Cherokee or any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, J5 sure. or whatever it is. And we drive down to the shore and we play this gig. And, man, we're like, wow, this is awesome. What a great gig. And all good players. And it was just a lot of fun. We're on our way home. And Bobby is so hammered drunk. I don't know how he's staying on the road. And I'm a little, I don't want to, you know, say, hey, man, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Because um, right. you can't, you know. And he had just, can't tell stepped, a drunk you can't tell a drunk they're drunk. And he had stepped over the line and, and I said, and all of a sudden, coming up from Wildwood and I see, you know, whatever it is, next exit, Atlantic City. And I said, Bob, Atlantic City, come on, man, let's go to Atlantic City. Right, and he never said, because I, I had never been there. And he went, right. and he went uh, all right. And so he turns off the road, and we're and he must have you know been feeling like I don't want to drive much farther either. And right. I mean, he's really as gone as he can be. Now I'm watching the wheel, and it's very late, so there's nobody on the road. And we pull in, and there's Caesar's Palace, right? Caesar's Palace Blues. I said, let's go there. Yes, let's go yes. there, right? So we pull in, and we pull in the jeep, and there's drums and guitar cases four at four thirty, or maybe four. Maybe later, maybe five in the morning. Wow. Okay. And they come and we walk into the place, right? As I, I figure I'll go gamble for a half hour or whatever it is. Him sober up. And he, he'll get to sober up. Then we go yeah. home. <laughs> well, that doesn't happen because whatever it is on Sunday night or Sunday morning, they close the casino by law. So you can't play for a, whatever it is till 10 o'clock or till 9 o'clock, whatever it is. It's a uh -huh. state law. So now I'm screwed, right? And I go over to the uh, to the guy behind the desk and I said, man, um, I said, I got a little problem here. I said, I said uh, we're probably here, you know, a little early or whatever. And I, I do you have any place that my, my friend could lay down for, you know, for a little while? while I go play the games. And he said, you can't play the games until whatever, nine o'clock. And I said, well, is there any place? I said, you can see my friends a little inebriated and we don't have a room. Is there anything that you right. can you help us out? And he looks around and I and he said, is that your, that your Jeep out there? I said, yeah, with the musical instruments. And he goes, cool in the gang, right? 
Oh wow! And I said, I said yes, sir. And now I'm now I got this wrapped down. I don't need. I said, yeah, we got ahead of the truck, man. I said, here we are. I said, you know, our rooms aren't ready. I don't know what to do. He said, man, I'm going to take care of you. He sends me up to the Godsmack, oh my God, high roller suite and says, you've got to be out by 10 o'clock. I go up there with Mayo, right? Mayo, there's like three bedrooms in this place and a panoramic view of the Atlantic Ocean and there's nobody there. I called my father in California, woke him up and said, Dad, Dad, you, you know, I mean, and so I go into the high roller suite in the bedroom. I, I didn't mess with any of the switches. I get up in the morning. And I said, Bob, we got to get out of here. He was passed out. And he was couch. passed out on the couch, fully dressed on the couch. And, wow. and he wakes up in like the high roller suite. And the first thing he did was look for his wallet. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah. You were cool and you day. were in the band. That's, that's like, <laughs> that's just, yes. and talk about six degrees. That's two degrees, maybe. That's right. That's yeah. right. All right. So that's now right. we, now we get on to the more controversial question of song that you never want to play again. I don't ever want to play that song. Love that song. Hate that song. But I, no matter what, I don't ever want to play that song again. I thought about this. <laughs> we all have. Yeah. Uh, there are quite a few that could go on that list today. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, what I will do is I'll just narrow it down to the one that keeps throbbing me on the back of my head saying, play me, play me. And I'm going, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know who this artist is, and I'm not sure I really want to know who the artist is. But it's um, the song, the, the chorus of the song goes, um, I don't care. Doom, boom, doom, yeah, the song. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, and yeah. I don't care. And I'm like, you see why I'm bald, right? Yeah, I, I do. I do. From Oh, my God. Yeah. From, from, from pulling it out. Yeah. Every you know, I'm pulling out here with one hand and playing the back. That's, I'm, I'm trying to you come know. up with who it is because they have an accent. They, I love it. Yes. Who did yes. you play that with? Who did you play that with? Uh, it was, well, there were um, there were a number of wedding bands. Okay. That, see, then right. that's where most of the reviled songs come from is the wedding that's right because uh, i've yeah. gotten i've gotten blister in the sun which i don't even know what that is but you know <laughs> and yeah. and uh of course brown i icon pop. pop there they go that's yeah. right yeah. that's right boom yeah. that's right all right. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Tell him what he's won, Bob. <laughs> well, you've got a three-day trip to San Francisco. <laughs> no, you've won a four-day, three-night, all expenses paid to Munaki, New Jersey. Yeah. Right, by way of Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so oh, now... Booker King just said I caught a pop. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, Booker chimed yeah, in Booker said I caught a pop. Yeah, yeah, Booker. Yeah, cue yeah, us up. I got the whole band ready, man. Let us no. Right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, okay. Love you, Booker. Love you, Booker. Yeah, he'll tell you tomorrow and make your mom proud. She'll be very proud right. when she sees all the love that's coming at you, man. Hey, Booker. No doubt. No You've been doubt. served. Make sure you thank your mom for you. That's right. For Agreed. Me. For yeah, and for the goofy guy too. 
<laughs> I said for me already. <laughs> uh, all right. So now, now we get to the schooled portion of the questionnaire. Yes. Should I straighten my tongue? Please do. <laughs> Huh. An instrument, uh, other than the myriad of, of selections that you already play, an uh, instrument other than those that you would like to be as proficient as you are at uh, La Batteria. Well, let's start here. First of all, I'd like to be able to play something um, with strings, yeah? I'd like to be able to do something like that, you know. Um, maybe uh, a guitar. Maybe um, an upright bass, if you will, um, or even an electric bass. But I know I've got Sir Booker King listening right now, so I don't want to say the uh, the upright bass there. So I just leave it at I leave it at guitar, and then let Matt beat me up later. Well, now listen, Idris, that is that's an awesome choice. That's uh, it did sound like Idris. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, well, it depends what show you're watching. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, we love Idris. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, being on a being on the road with some amazing guitar players over the past 15 years, uh, they inspired me. And with my Yamaha endorsement, I was able to call up Yamaha and get a deal, and I bought guitars. Excellent. So, Pandemic practicing was not only pandemic paradiddles, but also COVID chords on the guitar. Oh, oh, so, awesome. So, so I picked up the guitar a little bit. I'm playing a little bit now. That's you know, good, so really, man. And really got, happy yeah, about that. That's cool. That's excellent. That's excellent. Oh, yeah. all right. So this is uh, this is the the what, what do we call this is the melancholy question. Okay. Before we get to the fun stuff at the end. <laughs> If you could play one show with anybody, living or dead, any combination, doesn't matter, ideal gig, who would it be? Uh, I would put Jamie Jameson. I'd put James oh, Jameson in the rhythm section. The hook. Okay, yeah. I'd put, I'd put James Jameson in the rhythm section, and I would... The band, the band would be this. This would be the band. Myself, James Jameson, Herbie... Oh, Herbie Hancock, yep. Miles, and Jimi Hendrix. Oh, I, I knew Miles was going to be in there. That's yeah, yeah. I, I, I was hoping I wanted, for the I Hendrix. wanted to do another horn feature. I'd throw Train in on the horn feature. Uh, and what I would do with that is I would turn it around and make it a funk band. Wow. Hendrix would go with that. Yeah. I would make it a funk band because, you know, the bottom is already being held and supported. You know, yeah. you know if, if I if I would if I would have thrown a singer on that, I would throw somebody like D'Angelo. Oh, a, you know, in the in the front of it. You know, I would throw a female singer. I would throw one of my dearest friends, Sandra Saint Victor. I would throw her in the front of it. Got you that. know, so that would that would pretty much be it. But I mean, if I had, if if I had to just choose just one cat, I would probably say Jimmy. Yeah, uh, that's mine. That's mine, one and only. And, Wait, and Jimmy you know, Hendrix or yeah, oh, yes. yeah, Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy no, Hendrix. James. Yeah. James would be James. Okay. James would be the hook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Jimmy would be the riff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ja uh, James. James Marshall Hendrix. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how odd! Uh, that's just insane to me. Just that. The, 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 his name is Marshall. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Totally. Jim, I mean, what a gift, Jim Marshall. Here you go. Yeah, I saw right. a very funny Marshall thing once, and you, you'll have to work this out in your mind. But I was in a rehearsal studio somewhere in New York, and we asked for, a, you know, for a, um, 
what do you call it, the, a plexi. Yeah. And they brought the, brought it out, and someone had taken the letters, and instead of saying Marshall, they made it say Mr. Snail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's cool. That somebody's got to know where that place is because it's a yeah. Mr. Snail. I mean, they made they broke one of the L's to make the I. The I, right. the L, it was unbelievable. I was that's uh, good. Yeah, Mr. Snail, that's good. Mr. Snail. Now the only thing that I saw that even comes close to that is when Mark Hit was playing High Watts, they covered up the. They did something to make it say H I T T. So. You know. Ah, uh, okay. <clears throat> but still, nice. Mr. Snails got my vote. That's Mr. good. Snails. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So jokes. now, for the drummer jokes, uh, I mean, uh. you've got to have. I mean, somebody has to say, "Oh, you play drums? Oh, oh, how can you park in the handicapped spaces? Just put your sticks on the dashboard." <laughs> you know, <I> mean, you <laughs> know. So how do you how do how do you make a drummer's car more aerodynamic? Oh, we have not heard this one. <laughs> Ten. Take the pizza delivery sign off the top. Oh, wow. That's one I haven't heard. How, how does it... How, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know when the concert stage is level, is even? Drooling. Drooling. When the drummer's drooling out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Well, well, uh, I, um, I just heard this the other night. I thought it was brilliant. How, how, can, how does a new drummer play in seven? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four. <laughs> That's good. That's good. The reason why I like that one so much is because that reminds me of when I had my first experience before Dave Brubeck would take five. A friend of mine who was a drummer, he says, you know how to play in five? You know how to count in five? And I was like, five? Yeah, sure, of course. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> well, I, I just told this one last night, but you know how you sing Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries in Five? Oh. Life is just a bowl of fucking cherries. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard some... Some classics. I heard a new one the other night. How do you get a drummer off your porch? Give him ten bucks for the pizza. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's, that's the other one that goes hand in hand with the take the take the delivery sign yeah. off the top. And, and then I, your I love that one. Well, my my very favorite one. This is and you know this has a special place in my heart. Uh, what happens when you pour beer in the drum machine? <gasps> it tries to sing. <laughs> that's good i like that's that good. one i got a i got a singer one i have oh. a singer i have a vocalist one okay okay so the band leader goes up to the vocalist and holds out a chart and says okay we're going to do this tonight Notice the chart here. The chart starts off in four, and it's in the key of B flat for the first eight bars. Then the next eight bars, it goes to C, and it goes to five four. Right? Then the next 16 bars, it goes to C sharp, and it goes to seven eight. Then from there, it slows down a little bit, but still, it's still in four four, and then it goes to the key of D. Then from there, it's going to modulate to the key of E, and it's going to go to nine eight. The singer goes, 
I can't do all that. Are you kidding? You just did. The, ba the band leader says, why not? You just did that last night. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, you know, you know the one, the difference between a, a bull and a wedding band? Uh-oh. The bull has the horns in the front and the asshole in the back. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I got a, I had another one that I translated from a guitar joke. Oh, okay. Right? How do you get a drummer how do you get a drummer to stop playing so damn loud? Throw sheet music in front of How do you know when Carl Palmer's knocking on your door? Oh. Oh. <laughs> the knock speeds up. Oh. <laughs> now wait a minute. Now I gotta give you I gotta give you the permutations of that. I tell that okay. I tell that to N Whistle. No, N Whistle told that to me, I think. Okay. So from that point on on the tour, I would every time I went to his hotel room, I would do this. And he would go, Carl, is that you? <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, no, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, we're a couple of lucky dogs, you and I. You are not kidding. No, nah, man, there's no, bless, no you know. Bless, I, bless doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. Not even close, not even close. Uh, you know, I mean, how many, that's, listen, we, I say one more thing, we're going to go around for another two and a half hours, but I am, <laughs> I am, I am proud to tell you that this is the longest show I've ever done. Yes. Uh, almost two oh, and a half hours, and I didn't feel a minute of it, and only be, for the other performers out there in the world am I going to call this one, but uh, brother, we're, I hope you come to to, uh, Booker's mom's party. Yep. I would love to. If I can make it, I will. I understand. Yes. Totally. I mean, even if you can just pop your head in and say hey and run away. If she'll be there. Yeah, if she'll be there. <laughs> you know, right, but, right, you're, right. you're welcome. You're welcome all the time, anytime. And you know that. And then right. expect some tracks to show up. I'll send them to the... E what I'll do is I'll send it... Uh, um, as an mp3 to the email so that you get it quick and then once okay. you have yours worked out then we'll do the wave thing you know we'll do it right yeah absolutely absolutely you funky send it let me know we're gonna be um, funky gumping yes indeed that's right funky gumping and double bumping <laughs> <laughs> oh man abe you are freaking treasure bro great story uh, I, I can't i can't thank you enough for giving us this time it's been great man. yeah oh man it's, this is my pleasure it is my absolute humble honor, man. I tell you, I've just heard I've heard nothing but great things about you from Matt. Matt always brags about you whenever we're like anywhere, Florida, Florida, Steve Longo, Florida, oh, Florida, man. Steve, you know, and I'm like, and, and now it's to the point where if we're doing something in Florida, I'll say, hey, Matt, how close are we to Steve? You want to call Steve? Just call him up. Call him up and invite him down, you know? Uh, and believe me, I'll be there, man. When it, when it all comes back, yeah, Matt... I, I talk about that just to have guys in front of you the way I had guys in front of me and guys coming up behind you the way you guys it's, it's all just it's a it's such a beautiful dream and and that we're able to turn this crazy COVID nightmare into something beautiful and creative man that's you know I'm going to get out my incense and, <laughs> and uh and put on my beads. Ah, oh, listen, right, again, bro. Get your get, get your get your strawberry alarm clock ready because you're gonna get some incense and peppermint going. Yeah, right? yeah. And then of course you have to get the Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill to stay in the right. mode. 
<laughs> or if you want to go hardcore, go Mad Dog 2020. Or oh, right to the or Thunderbird. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. right to the heart. A- Apple malt duck, baby. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh we're getting sick tonight. Yo, oh, we're, gonna, yeah. we're, we're puking before midnight. <laughs> That's right. Puking and juking, baby. That's that, what we do. That's here. us. That's Funky us. Funky Gump, baby. Funky Gump. It's coming. It's coming. That's, all right. Right on. Promise I'm you that. Uh, lots of love to you, man. I will talk to you over the next couple of days and to be continued. Yeah? Outstanding. Looking forward to it. Lots of love right back to you and yours, man. Thank and you. I can't wait to do it again with you. We're Bye. doing it. We're doing it. Take care. Take brother. care, man. Y'all be good. Love y'all. Back at you. Yeah. See you then. Easy. Uh, that was one I how would I well, I'm so whacked out I have my space here and everything how freaking cool is that, that you get to see that and uh, listen I'm sorry if I kept you up <laughs> but it had to be done yeah what a treasure I mean that guy let me tell you what I had the pleasure of seeing him play with Rob Thomas um, and uh he's a real deal it always excites me to see guys who are so genuine and so completely invested in their in their instrument and in their work and um, you have a friend like Abe Fogel not only do you know one of the nicest guys in the world you know one of the most talented guys as well and, and good stories yeah great stories what a, what a, a fantastic person who, who wouldn't want to be in a band with that guy I'm a drummer and I want to be in a band with that guy <laughs> yeah. so there you go can you imagine that I'm imagining it I'm telling you watch watch you guys I claim to be the guy who always follows through you you watch funky duck funky dunk (laughs) funky gum you got got me with the duck alright funky gum coming at you (laughs) Abe Fogel man amazing stories you're not going to hear that stuff anywhere else but from the heart I mean, think about it. When do you ever get that view of someone's career? You just don't. I mean, this is a this is a guy who's given his life to it. He's a lifer. And he loves it. You hear the joy in his voice. You can hear the joy in my voice because I found somebody that speaks the language and I got to hang out with him for a little bit and talk. And I was able to let you listen in. This podcast is brought to you by Jason's Deli, with four convenient locations from Naples to Cape Coral, Florida. They are a must-try. Jason's Deli, where all good things come from wholesome ingredients. And Bradley's Jewelers of South Fort Myers. They specialize in amazing moments. Bradley's Jewelers. Stop by and say hello to Brad and Colby. And we'll see you next week right here on the podcast from the No Gloom Ballroom. It's rock and roll show and tell.